and welcome to episode 352 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett, and we have plenty to get into today. We'll start with a mixed week for Manchester United. It started with Bruno Fernandes insisting we should trust the eye of the referee and ended with him demanding an apology from one. Liverpool finally secured a holding midfielder, but at 30 years of age, you have to think this one is less about refreshing that area of the squad and more of a means to an endo. The Hammers rolled the dice and threw James Ward-Prowse straight into the starting lineup, and they managed to defy the odds with a big win over Chelsea. Moyes' decision to gamble on Ariola as his new number one and go all-in on Antonio paid off, while it appears Lucas Paqueta was right to bet on himself as he turned in a man-of-the-match display. Elsewhere, Man City won the Super Cup before beating Newcastle at home. Johan and Mbuemo took the whistle out of Marco Silva's Fulham. Brighton extended their stay at the top of the table. Villa fans asked if they could play Everton every week, and I was left having some serious conversations with myself after spending my Friday night watching Forrest sneak past Sheffield United. Phil Walker also announced his retirement. As you can tell, I've uh, both run out of puns and the desire to think of any more. We'll touch on the Women's World Cup, Sugar Sean O'Malley's win over Aljamain Sterling, Arsenal getting past Crystal Palace. But before all of that, TK, how are we doing today? I don't know if I was better or worse before hearing some of those puns. It's a mixed bag in there. Some of them uh, better on paper. I've not said them out loud until now. Yeah. Um, yeah, the uh, the end of one, I can tell you're proud of yourself with. Yeah. Um, By the time of the whistle one, I think you again. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, I was making gambling puns for West Ham if they uh, went over anyone's head. Don't want those uh, falling by the wayside. They were very, obviously, the height of subtlety, so I'm sure some people may not have quite got it. Yeah, took the whistle. Maybe if I could take that one back, I would. (laughs) But um, we're here now. So we're a day late. Hopefully, that extra day, you've got Arsenal uh, Palace in there. So maybe you're happy you weren't going to have to listen to me talk about Arsenal. Yes, my bad team. Sorry, you're gonna to have to listen to him talk about Arsenal. But tacked on to the end, so uh, pretend this was uh, out on a Monday. We will start with Manchester United against both Wolves and Spurs. So a week in which their fortunes have been largely dictated by two penalty calls, one in their favour, one against them. But to boil it down to that is kind of ignoring the heart of the issue, I think, which is something Bruno Fernandez is swiftly been reminded of this is not a fluid functioning side as of right now I've been criticising this this midfield that they've assembled to almost anyone that would listen and not very many people (laughs) I wish I'd tweeted it more as a smug retweet for like one that you can call back after the fact is very fun to do Leon Edwards had it there Brandon Moreno I had it there a couple of others not so much that I can only tell people so much. I was ahead of the curve on that, but people may not believe me. Ten Hag sat out his stall saying that only Man City can talk about winning the title in pre-season. Any other club must first compete for the first four positions in the table. <laughs> After watching their first two games, I'd absolutely agree that they should not be talking about the title. He warned us. Era has come to an end, he told us, if you recall. He did. He did. I don't think he specified when. <laughs> he did personally personally ended yours um, let you beat them 7-0 and that you peaked from there so he gave us something to remember from last season he did what he had to do um, I said to Connor Harmer when the fixtures came out that they couldn't have wished for an easier start 
well, Ruben Nevers basically was dragging Wolves through those games. He'd get a banger a season against United. And then, obviously, now he's left. Ten Hag tried to do that three-box, three system in the first half, Shaw inverting next to Casemiro. And I don't know why every manager is is trying to do this now. No. Only, I would say, Arteta and Pep have shown that they can perfect it on occasions. Liverpool have come closest and it kind of lives and dies by the personnel. You have to work the system to get the best of a particular player. Yeah, That's yeah. the reason for doing it. You're not doing it because and Trent kind of fits the system. You're doing it because you've got Trent. Yeah, United exactly. seem to be wanting to play the system and it's, okay, who fits in best here? And that's not how that works. No, no. I think we'll probably see more managers trying this as well. Like I said, I don't think anyone, you have to be a genius to work out the difference between Luke Shaw and Zinchenko, Trent or John Stones in terms of yeah. technical ability, carrying the ball out, passing. Shaw's good at what he's good at. That isn't involved in that. By the way, if we try to do it with Andy Robertson, you'd go, what the hell are they doing? So it's not just a, a you know a slander of Luke Shaw here. No, because we had this issue last season when Zinchenko went out and... Tierney not quite up to it. No, exactly. And Tierney, not that I'm trying to get his price tag up, perfectly solid fullback in the Premier League today. I'd argue on his best day is better than that. And I think wherever he goes next, people are going to say, oh my God, Arsenal could have done with him the same way they did with Aubameyang. He scored a couple of goals for Barca and he's like, why is he not in the team? <laughs> but Kivior has done it to varying degrees and then Timber came in the system works because he's not there we flipped it and Thomas Partey's doing it on the other side and he's not fitting it like a glove and he's literally a midfielder playing yeah. there yeah yeah I don't... you then when Luke Shaw's doing that you've got this young inexperienced Garnacho with nobody down his flank you've got a midfield that looked like they didn't even know each other's names and in the same way that Arteta is having to live and die by Kai Havertz Fortunately for him, if that doesn't work, he's got a guy called Thomas Partey who he can plug into that midfield and say, didn't work, we'll do what we can now to get the best out of him, whether it's on the flank, whether it's through the middle, whether it's just certain games. United's midfield depth before that, Fred, McTominay as depth players, and after that, I don't really know. (laughs) Obviously, Sabitza was there last year, that's no longer the case. And so... They've got rid of Fred. McTominay, they've been trying to shop, but rejected 30 million for him. And then you bring him out, and because of the depth that's already there, there is no like degree of failure there. You have it has to work. And we're two games in. Pre-season it didn't click, I know. But yeah, it's 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 looking rough. You've got last season as you can you can back up, we saw the defensive midfielders can go off a cliff. <laughs> Casemiro has played a lot of minutes in his career and I think part of it, you need players like that fighting for something. So I think this could get very rough if United don't go the trajectory they want to go. You don't want this guy on a contract competing for outside of the top four. No, no. I guess maybe if he does fall off a cliff, someone in Saudi might cough up for him. Now is the only saving grace for them. But yeah, it's not a good situation to be in. The fact that they're already basically hitting the panic button on Mount, where you you spend (laughs) £65 million on this guy and and Neville and Co are in there saying they've got to invest in this midfield. It feels like the fact they didn't bring on McTominay was making a point. 
because even just the way that game was that you didn't necessarily have a lot more quality you needed more legs in there they had to have nothing they need to sort of plug a gap which sounds crazy to say and he could at least do that is what him and Fred were largely doing in their Man United careers and but he don't bring him on Ericsson obviously isn't suited to doing that no so they've kind of ended up Mount was supposed to be the fix all you know when we had Brad on the pod he's basically said you know the Matt is supposed to bring some of the quality of Ericsson yeah. plus the legs of a Frederick McTominay. You kind of end up in a situation where he's kind of giving you a bit of both, but none of them really. Something I was I was going to say last week, but I didn't want to kind of dog you <laughs> anymore. I do think part I'll of this, this week, well, yeah, well, part of the stuff, I think there are some Liverpool fans and I think there's more nuance to it and maybe just some more technicalities to it than this is. It was that simple that Chelsea said to Lavia, Liverpool are only going to pay you 100 grand a week. We'll pay you 300 grand a week. And I would imagine the wage that he's getting at Chelsea compared to Liverpool, I don't think will be vastly different. Liverpool's highest earners are comparable to the highest earners of people outside of Manchester United and Man City. Hmm. So your highest earners will be very similar to ours. Hmm. And so I do think it fits in with that. When you're at United, so I've said all that to, to say this, how much of an appeal will... Saudi B because I I do think Casemiro is he a guy that they're going to pay six seven hundred grand a week? So we've seen with some players they're not getting the contracts that name not everyone's getting a Neymar contract for example. No. So if Casemiro is settled in Manchester, I don't think they should be blowing this up yet. This is we're just looking into yep. the future because he's got four years left on his deal. <laughs> like Three hundred grand a week in Manchester, in comparison, the, the well, Saudi money might not be that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, you know, might be around that vo- sort of value. And then you go, why am I going to leave Man United for that? It's Yeah, it's a fair point. Um, I don't know. I don't know also how much his star power means someone would cough up for him. But then someone coughed up for Jordan Henderson. I know maybe Gerard <laughs> led that, but someone paid Hendo the bag. And I don't think he's shifting shirts, etc. Gerard's had to come out today and say fake news. He's not trying to sign Mason Greenwood, so... Uh... There you go. That's very drawing the line. The new system that they've drilled, they're meant to be winning the ball back high up the field, which makes perfect sense with Bruno and Mount, who can press very well, but then makes no sense with Rashford, Anthony, Sancho. It's Casemiro is seemingly being told to stay back to protect a back four that's left exposed with the fullback pressing higher. And so it's like they're trying to play high reward, low risk which we'd all like, but unfortunately, <laughs> that doesn't really work. No. And so you can see on the heat maps or just watching the game, the space between those three is insane. You could look at the maps with your midfield three at its peak and you could very clearly see a perfect triangle. This is just I haven't something. seen that in a while. Oh, no. God, I miss those days. <laughs> this is something else and... It's not like he wasn't brought in early enough, Matt. No, he no, brought in fairly early in the window. They played plenty of time together. It's, it's it's one of the things with him is that they're obviously spending X amount of money on him, but he's also a work in progress would be a stretch. But he's going to have to learn this position because one of the things with Matt has been kind of what is his position? He's kind of he's probably in an ideal world probably a ten. He's given him the freedom to sort of roam, but he's probably not. He's very good, but he's probably not a uh, you know, a Madison or, or even a Foden where you'd go, he's got such technical ability, we'll 
we'll sort of play, even if we don't normally play a 10, we'll make it happen for him. He's probably not quite that good, but then he's got a good work ethic. So we go, okay, we can put him out wide. We can put him in the middle, but it's kind of, Jack of all trades is overstating it, but it's not far off. Whereas I'd, I'd back him to do a job in each of those positions. But if I was spending £65 million on a player, I'd probably want a specialist rather than someone who's going, well, maybe he can fit in in the midfield. I think that's part of what we're seeing here is that Casemiro's getting no support because Bruno's probably not going to do that job. Amount, I mean, in, in the two games, he's been almost anonymous is probably my criticism. Of him. It's like I haven't seen him no. getting on the board. I haven't seen him put himself about quite as much as maybe you would have expected. But because everything that you just said about what you would want with spending that money, you can also apply to Kai Havertz, who we will speak about later. I would, yeah, I would I, apply the same. Person. I've at least seen <laughs> you may you may feel different. Well, no, I've at least seen where he fits in the team. I've seen that the team has been adjusted in a way to try and account for the way he's playing. You're I've also seen, in a more luxurious position than that. You're yeah. better than them anyway. And personally, I don't think Havertz makes your starting eleven. So my question would be, do you need to buy him for that money if he doesn't improve your starting eleven? Mount has to be in their starting eleven. I don't. I think he has to go in. Is the difference whether whatever you want to take from this stat, Havertz has won the most duels on the pitch in both of his both of our Premier League games so far. I do think there's something to his work that I want to see more creativity because I feel that's what he's being bought for. Yeah. But Arteta the whole time has spoken about. You know, he's he's there to be physical and he spoke about being physical in different ways. He's never going to be crunching into tackles, but we'll get to the game later. It's very interesting. He was left on past Erdegaard. He was left on past Eddie. He was left on past Saka. Similar story as Forrest as well, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think it's because of the energy that he does bring where Mount, if he's not working in the middle and they shift him to the flank, if they play any top team with Mount and Anthony on the, on the wings... That high line that we're going to play is going to be insane because it's going to say, "Go on, and running behind." Yeah. Same <laughs> problem with um, with Sancho and Anthony, and that's another problem that they've got. The, the sort of the profile of the players, and with all the focus being on the midfield in this, uh, certainly in this Spurs game, they kind of they didn't really talk about the fact that Rashford's having to go up front, which we all know isn't his best suit. He's at his best on the left, probably their most dangerous player when he's there. And so you're having to shift your most dangerous player to accommodate what you're trying to do. Is yeah, oh, they think, should have a striker. And well, they I don't, think Hoyland's going to be back in the squad for the weekend, but I don't know if that's ITK or whatever it is. But regardless, even, even that is a, a roll of the dice in terms of how ready he is now. Yeah, or, even if you think, and I've got really no idea on the guy. If you think he's like a blue chip young talent, we don't know that's going to be straight away. Well, that's I think if he'd come in at the start of the season. I think there would have been a degree of patience because they would have said, look, Arsenal fans for a while, there's still Arsenal fans out there that defend Pepe, so it's it's insane. There's some soldiers out there. Yeah. I think if Hoyland came in the first game, didn't score, pundits would say, well, you spent 72 million on this guy. He has to be scoring goals. But I think collectively, as a fan base, United would say, look, he's going to be our number nine for the next 10 years. We're going to have patience with him. When... And let's not forget, they did win this game. When you've not performed well in the first two games you've played, when you've not been scoring goals in the first two games that you've played, suddenly there's a pressure on him now that wasn't there two games ago to come in and be a bang-in-form goal scorer. 
seeing Martial come on the pitch on Saturday has only bumped that up because we don't want to see him again. I mean, Neville may have put the final nail in the man's coffin by saying it's like Groundhog Day. Has, has he still got a contract or something? Like, how long is his contract? I don't know how it's going to go for him when he does get on. And Ironically, the double-edged sword is if he comes in, scores, they win. Now that's, okay, he's our saviour. which And that may be too well much for him as well. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> the penalty decision at Old Trafford, and I imagine we'll say that a lot this season. <laughs> what did you make of it? This is against Wolves, right? Yeah, You're talking about. Yeah, yeah. We'll I get mean, to the Spurs game in thirty seconds. Laughable. I mean, <laughs> if that's going against you, you're seeing the replay. You're like, well, we're done for. Then we're fucked here. Yeah. Well, beyond explanation. Even United fans were like, "That's annoying." <laughs> that was, that's annoying. And then it was like, "What?" Yeah. What? yeah when you show the replays, when they're taking long, long enough on it that they beam up the little like. The graph the VAR graphic, you're like, oh, we're cooking. <laughs> they did it yesterday with a, a tackle on Eze, and I thought, oh, oh fuck, <laughs> oh, we're banging trouble here. You got when you see that, you're, oh no. And then a few things worse than hearing that commentary go, check complete. Like it's not with like the offside. I think it helps that you see the line come up first. It seems to be before the commentators. Yes, so it kind of red or green softens or the, the yeah. blow first. Hearing some of these commentators tell you, not only have United got the decision again, but the way they're saying it is <laughs> horrible. And that was then the talking point immediately, which some United fans were very confused by. Wolves, by the way, could probably have played for about 10 days and they still weren't scoring. Did you think they were going to score the penalty when they got it? <laughs> yeah, they probably would have missed it, didn't they? Yeah, they've got a long season of watching... Cunha and Fabio Silva do some really quite good things but not score we we play the, an FPL draft everyone's like who's got Neto who's got Neto after that first game he's got Cunha I think you've got Cunha as well I've got Cunha people yeah. were looking nice pick that and still nothing to, <laughs> nothing to show for that yeah I mean the, the striker market was so scarce tell me that, about it that I literally whilst he was like I was like well I know he's going to play <laughs> I'll get Cunha in the worst criticism you can have of United in that game was that it made look, they made Wolves look expansive you watched the game and it was almost that basketball-esque thing that Liverpool have going on a lot of the time where you're like, how does this so open and end-to-end? It's probably the last thing I would have thought of for Wolves Man United. I think I said to Connor, before the game, if you told Ten Hag, Wolves are going to get at you today, he'd have gone, perfect. Yeah, 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 great. And then that was not the case at all because the way Wolves were pushing bodies forward... United had so many opportunities to counter and for a team that Ten Hag said in pre-season when he was asked about playing possession-based football he said that is not Manchester United which was news to some people I'm aware he <laughs> said we're a fast counter-attacking team to some degree that did not that looked like a team that yeah they they needed a penalty of their own or a clunky one into the box and it's the centre-back where and, and headers missed and it falls to the back post or whatever yeah very bad and Neither referee Simon Hooper nor VAR decided that it warranted a spot kick. Gary O'Neill said he received an apology by the time he did his post-match interview from John Moss over the decision. Has he been promoted, John Moss? Because if you tell me John Moss and Howard Webb are the people in positions of power at the PGL, <laughs> we're fucked. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm Mike Dean, don't forget. There you go. The John Moss refereeing sat on his ass is probably... 
the best place for him because seeing him run around the pitch, I couldn't run around the pitch for 90 minutes. I'm not a referee. <laughs> seeing that man run around trying to keep up with play, horrendous. <laughs> On to the Spurs game. Roy Keane said pre-game that United wouldn't be as bad as they were last game. And we've all been there. After a bad game, you go one off. And then about five minutes into the next one, you go, turns out, <laughs> same again, last yeah, <laughs> turns out that might be what we are. In the first half, both teams created chances. United fans saying they dominated, I thought, were very wide of the mark. It was a good back and forth, I thought. Yeah. But it's pretty classic. When you're so bad in the second half, the first <laughs> yeah, half yeah. looks incredible. Well, remember, they dominated you first half at a 7-0, we were told. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a good, it was a decent, good, close first half. But that was a domination, apparently. And Bruno misses a big chance. Porro hits oh, the bar. What a chance he misses, Jesus. Yeah, that when you see him look into the lino, like, do me a favor, help please. me. Like Trent does with some of his defenders. The first half was basically summed up by Gary Neville just dogging Pedro Porro. He said, "I'm not having him." <laughs> what? The- it was so good. Just I that, that was one, first half. That said one it. moment where he's all right. It's like I've had enough. I've had enough. Like he didn't know what Porro was. Yeah. To that point, I'm not having him at all. That, and then, um, I mean. It is incredible with Roy Keane because he's obviously got his whole shtick anyway. And he's pretty good with United in that because he can be quite critical of them, he can be that little bit more independent than your average ex-player. But he still has the United tint or goggles at times. So like coming in when he's gone, when he can't be as that bad again. And then at halftime, he declared Spurs are there for the taking. I was like, well, yeah, I can see they've got some vulnerabilities, but you've also got to look at this Man United team. And he's, I tell you, Spurs could be rinsing the league 12 points clear at the top, taking the piss, and Keane would still think they're the Spurs that he played in the 90s because well, this is what he we, just this has is what no we respect for them at all. <laughs> this, is what, this is what we were getting from Gary Neville. What What did you think pre-game? Because I, I did think, I thought, these teams are very similar, but I thought United, I thought they were clinical enough that they were going to put a few goals on Spurs. I thought there'd be goals, but I thought Spurs would get more of them. <laughs> I thought Spurs would win because... United's away rocket, I still got to be proven that they got over that from last year. That's not pretty. The only point they got against the top nine last year was away, was away at Spurs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a horrible record. Um, so I thought, and there were some signs for posit- of positivity in the Brentford game for Spurs. I know they drew it, which people seem to have forgotten. <laughs> you, you'd, <laughs> yeah, have got you'd have fully won both their games yeah. the way people have gone on. But um, yeah, I... I thought Spurs would probably be more positive and therefore you probably would edge it. Well, Ange is going to get the benefit of the doubt, as I think he should. Mm. The way he yeah. won't get the benefit of the doubt and why I think their fans may not see it, I think it would be very clever. Don't spend the Kane money. Yeah, if you do, true. If you do spend it on two, three, four players because Chelsea are not going to get the same treatment as Postacoglu at Spurs because they've spent a billion pounds and they were worse than Spurs last season. They can say they're a side in transition. I don't think we're giving them the benefit of the doubt in the same way that Andrew's going to get it. True. I mean, I also don't know what singular player is Spurs going to sign for that sort of money as well. I know. Them putting it all on Lukaku would be... <laughs> I thought there may be someone in like the Portuguese league or something where... They've scored, you know, 30 goals last season. and, and 
I think. I mean, I didn't have Hoyland going to United for seventy-two million. Or so whatever I, it was, I so can see fair. Spurs drop. I thought I could see them dropping maybe sixty on. Um, well, they spent fifty, I guess, on uh, fifty on Van der Ven. Maybe they'll say they kind of spent the Kane money already. That's probably the way to do it, almost uh, by stealth. A central midfielder is probably the thing to do, and I think there's enough out there. Eights in this market seem you seem to be able to get a bargain. Six is in this market. Don't even try it. <laughs> Don't even try it. Well, unless you want to go to the Bundesliga, then you'll get yourself a bargain. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, what? But is that that performance not convince you the midfield for now? For sure. I for think sure. I was going to. I think they'll look elsewhere. I think. Sure. I think they need. I think they need some depth. But yeah, yeah. That midfield, and I had this down. If I had to say which which one had been torn up and kind of started again. It wouldn't be the Spurs one that I would be talking about. No, and no, no. You'd have thought Saar making his second ever start. Madison in there. Basuma. How it was Saar's second start? Yeah, Jesus. the first one was the North London derby against us. <laughs> For a minute, it deepened. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't see that coming, but we'll, we'll get to him in a second. Um, Keen post game declared United is the new Spurs. I don't know if you saw that. I mean, tough ninety minutes for him, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Going from thinking United were going to do him, even at half time thinking they were going to do him, at the end of it realizing oh, they're a bit shit. We've done this before. He he was a Spurs fan growing up, wasn't he? Yeah, okay, yeah. So, so that's the why scars are deep. And I think he probably feels he's got that uh, sort of authority to be able to dog them a little bit. And the atmosphere at Spurs, great right now. I, I feel weird praising them. I don't know if it comes across like I'm kind of little bro in them because <laughs> when we get to playing them in what two three weeks time, I, I won't be feeling that way. But I can acknowledge what they're doing. Um, I've seen no negativity. Regarding the Kane sale, the PA pre-game screamed the Spurs way is back. Don't entirely know what that means, but I didn't hear any groans at any of the Poro mistakes, which 20 minutes in last season, if Spurs weren't 1-0 up, you were hearing booing, you were hearing mm-hmm. chaos in the stands. and yeah, they were, Their fans have bought into what is going on. And Onana showed his strengths in this game. United pressed high again I thought he swept well I spoke to you about what if Nick Pope plays the same passes is he credited as it being a kick downfield or because Anana it was a pass every time he lumped it he lumped it upfield yeah it's true but he did also pick out a couple of peaches so. yeah is it wrong to compare the functionality of the Spurs in United midfields different systems I know and all this a lot no, different no no it's absolutely fair the game was won in 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 the midfield as much as much as anything in. And I think as as horrible as United were in that second half, and they were bad. I mean, the, the, the thing with United is when they look bad, it does look like oh, what the hell are they going to do? But they then they'll pick up results that I, I don't know. You can't really explain because I would have looked at that game against Spurs and I'd have gone. I don't think you can meet many people in the league with this team. I just don't. Where are the goal is going to come from? Is the midfield good enough? And yet they do pick up results. So I, I'm slightly cautious to maybe go all in on how bad United are, but they certainly were in this second half were bad. But then they'll add a body as well. They, yeah. This this is how it started last season. We had the murmurs of, you know, they have to add to this. The, the Glazers are failing the manager if they don't add to this. And ultimately, much like last season, for, for different reasons, which I don't think we're going to go into too deeply. Um, <laughs> If in doubt and if some good PRs needed, United will literally buy it. Yeah, that's it. And I can see them getting someone like Goretzka. 
Yeah, yeah. Probably. Big yeah. enough name, expensive, not really sure where he fits in the team. This is how I think it'll go. Amrabat, it just, sometimes the players link too much and you question, are they actually that interested in him? Because it seems the easiest of deals to do. Although, I mean... United are not short of 25 million. No, if, if you want him, you can get him in. Similar with us, if we're interested in him, I guess. Yeah. You know, um, and, I, and so, and I think if you would, not like us to loiter around for a midfielder, they may speed it. They may speed the process up as well. So, mm. but to, to finish the point, but as bad as United were, Spurs turned it up a notch in that second half, and that midfield was cooking. I mean, Basuma had as good a game as I've seen a central midfielder have outside of you know the top tier ones in a long, long time. He was, I mean, by the end of it. He was taking the piss. He was doing step overs. He was feeling himself. He was, half, there was yeah. that one that went wrong right towards the end. It was like the football equivalent of a heat check. There was it one step <laughs> over too many where he'd trip over the ball. Was like, okay, I'll rein it in now. Yeah, he's doing things. And like- if he wasn't having such a good game, we'd all be raving about how good Sar was because he was great as well, just not quite as good as Basuma yeah. went to just Super I thought, Saiyan. I thought Sar got better in the second half. Like I was, I was questioning the dropping of Skip, another person I didn't think I'd be coming on here talking about but I thought he had one of his better games against Brentford I thought he made a difference in that game yes yeah, made one recovery tackle on Rashford that was very very good and I think you probably got to accept with him that there's going to be moments where he's a bit erratic and on the ball he's going to be a bit scruffy but as long as Basuma's doing his thing or you know, when Benzikur yeah. comes back in then his sort of energy and everything that he brought in this game is, is fine yeah, that's be interesting a- to see if he can replicate that. You'd back that Basuma can now kick on. It's what we expected when Spurs signed him from Brighton. So a little bit more unknown, obviously, to us. It'd be interesting to see if that was a good game or whether this so, is what they signed him for and he can carry it on. I remember when Spurs signed him, uh, that, you know, that GFFN account. Yeah. I saw them tweeting, and if you remember, they, they were public enemy number one of Arsenal Twitter at the time because they kept saying you're not going to sign our and Arsenal fans were like we bloody are going to sign our how dare you was the apology as loud as the criticism yeah. I think? Um, but they tweeted at the time basically complaining saying another player that's gone to the Premier League too soon he's not going to be able to have the development that he needs in this time and he's going to be tossed to the side like he's a failure basically didn't back Conte to do the coaching strange <laughs> It seems he's been uh, he's been in the dojo putting in work for the last year and very small sample size again. That United midfield, Wolves just got dick four one by Brighton. Brighton are a good side, but yeah, that maybe shows you where where we are. To your point, when you said to Connor that's ideal first game. I mean, it is Wolves are coming in for like a hellish <laughs> yeah. summer. Managers literally just left. Yeah, what, just forty eight hours he'd been in charge, yeah, so. and you could see from what you'd seen at uh, Bournemouth, he'd got them playing in a way he wanted to have them playing. And I st- still don't really know what Tenag is, is trying to do there, but don't want to sound too much like I hear. The interesting thing is you're right about the vibe around Spurs and kind of how accurate Ange Ball, whatever it is at this point, it's kind of neither here nor there. As long as the fans believe it, it's yeah, kind of... Yeah. Because in, in these two games, I think there's been, again, signs of positivity in both Brentford and the United games, but they did draw the Brentford game. Yeah. And it was a good close game. Either side could have won it. And then the first half against United, again, I thought was a toss-up. And then the second half was when it sort of came to. So you've really had probably a half where you can say, this is what Ange Boy is supposed to be. We're two games into the season. So I would probably 
I think, and you buy into him because he speaks very well as well. I, I buy into that he can do what they're saying he can do in terms of the style he's going to get them playing in consistently. But I do also think you know, I kind of gave them the opportunity to do this in the second half as well. As as good as they were, it was you're not going to get many teams. I don't know, almost play into your hands as well as United did. Is there not a chance that Brentford draw looks better as the season goes on? Potentially, because I thought Brentford away at Fulham, I thought it was a tough game and then they pissed that. So you could be right. Fulham sound good until you look at their 11. It's like... And then when it comes... We're playing them on Saturday, so that'll make... (laughs) And then when it comes to like, obviously, Mitrovic is getting a Saudi move on on the day of the game, I think it was. So something always a little bit weird in there. It's an interesting one that on paper, Raheem Mines for six million or whatever is a good replacement. And then you realise he wasn't scoring goals for Wolves and that's why you're in trouble. Yeah, head's gone there, quite uh, quite literally. It's an interesting thing that with Postacoglu, with the Spurs fans... I think it is as simple as they needed to see some more positive football. I think they were probably one sick of the Kane situation, but also probably of the realization that it's better that we get something for him than nothing. Ultimately, I think a lot of fans I get him to buy him. Don't let him go to United. And it's the perfect one. Yeah, you haven't had to sell him to a prem club. He's not leaving you on a free. As much I think some fans did say, "Ah, oh, just let him run his contract down." When it comes down to it, you don't yeah, want that yeah. player to do that. So, I think it had to be taken out of their hands in a way. I think the club wasn't going to resolve this. It was. It feels disrespectful to compare him because he's so much better. But like the Pogba thing with United, where it's like, this club is just going to keep every summer going, oh, well, maybe we can work something out. It had to be taken out of their hands. Yeah. They've done it. Yeah. And that you'd back that Spurs will maintain that positivity revenge. I think Chelsea having the same thing with Poch. They're acting like he hasn't got this really expensive squad. It's like <laughs> a feel-good story where Poch is getting and playing good football with a bunch of kids. And I think that will earn him some time, but it can turn quickly at Chelsea. We know this. And an ex-Spurs manager, I think it can turn even quicker. Whereas at Spurs, I think, especially the way Ange talks in press and stuff, I think they'll keep that going. And Poch doesn't do that is uh, part of his issue, I think. Uh, That man looks devoid of charm these days. And we're going to get on to that. I don't know. I I don't see any Chelsea fans. And Harper is maybe our benchmark. I don't think he's warming to Poch. I, I've i been surprised. I thought they would be more cold on him than they have, I think. Well, I think they certainly feel excited compared to what they have been seeing a little bit. Again, that's why I made a comparison with Spurs, just because the standard of football has been so low that that initial burst, anything is going to be, yeah, oh, yeah. we're playing good, positive football. Um, and I do. I have been surprised. I think Chelsea have been warm to punch more than I expected their fans, but I know how quickly that club can yeah. turn, so... United's pressing went off a cliff in the second half. And Not I don't I don't know if, if I was to ask you what you boil it down to. Is it a fitness issue? Is it a concentration issue? Is it is it the as the game gets more intense they they're hiding? I don't know what you'd put it down to. Probably a little bit of both in that I think we've seen mentally they're weak. I think we've seen that the away record indicates it. The fact that they got the most clean sheets last year, but also had games where they shipped X amount of goals. Yeah. Shows you a team has got a fair bit, a fair bit of quit in it. But also that you know they're not really used to playing like this all the time. Last year when they picked it up, and they'll probably do the same again this year. First couple of games they got a hide in, wasn't pretty. Ten Hag said, "Right, we've got to get more compact here. We've got to shut it up." I think they'll probably do the same again this year. 
and that's a different thing to pressing like Madden. Yeah. If you we've commented on it a thousand times, but if you don't all go together as well, you're better off just not doing this high press because you're all over the place, and that's probably what they're going to find themselves doing. Kulishevsky again. I do think for the style that Spurs seemingly want to employ, he might not be the best fit moving forwards. I don't know. I don't might know be horses he, for course of him. You play him on certain games. And I don't know others, if he can. You drop him. I don't know if he can play as an eight or not, or if that is just trying to like we're playing FIFA or I, whatever. Yeah, I I would question it. If you go into you put him in Madison's position and he started well, so you're not going to do that. Left us him on side. crutches. I've not seen an update. Okay, if if he's out, then maybe you try that. I, I, I said on, was it last week, week before, that I would be interested in then getting someone more pacey and direct. Ironically, because of their seemingly financial struggle, I can't believe it's a financial thing when you get the people backing them, but if you could sneak another player out of walls like other clubs, I'd be interested to see Neto at Spurs. I think he's got something. He's that guy that, yeah. I don't know, it could click for him a little bit like, certainly in his early days of us, it did for Jota, where you thought, I had no idea this guy was quite this good. And I think Neto's kind of got that. I'd be interested to see him at Spurs on that side. Could say so when when the transfer window started, people kind of we, we just let Madison go to Spurs. There was there was I mean there was no competition for him. I didn't see anyone crying. Forty million that should be so much more expensive. I think it was seen as a good deal. Could Madison? Think- be doing what Mount is expected to do in the United midfield. Is that a fair one that United may look at and say, we may have got the wrong guy? No, I, th- I think they'd have a lot more of the problems. I mean, a, a team, if you're going to have Madison and Bruno in the same team, I think that's going to get very messy. I mean, if Casemiro thought he's doing some running now, <laughs> he'd be shifting that summer timber uh, pretty sh- pretty swiftly, I think, because yeah, that wouldn't be pretty. No, I think it was... Horses for quarters, you just think he was probably exactly what Spurs needed. And most clubs probably didn't. Even, you know, again, think with Newcastle, you look at Newcastle midfield and you go, he just wouldn't really fit in there. He's- no. Shift, uh, sorry. Bruno says he'll be waiting for an apology from John Moss over a decision Man United were not given in the 26th minute where the ball appeared to strike Christian Romero's hand in the box. They say Romero was close to Garnacho when the shot was taken, while his hand was also not in an unnatural position. This natural, unnatural... No one has a clue, do it's, they? It's such bullshit. But Michael Oliver awarded a corner rather than a penalty. The VAR did not overturn the on-pitch decision. What did you make of the decision? I'll say the same as the one that was missed for us against Chelsea. I said, if this is the standard, I don't mind. But... You've just got no confidence that it will be. And we've seen already other ones given the handball that you go, okay, is that not pretty much identical to that? The more I've been thinking about it, I think that Lewis Dunk one the first weekend of the season is the worst handball decision I've ever seen. Yes. That low down, the underside of your elbow, I've never seen anything like no, that. No, there's, there's another one where the player was in a similar sort of spot and was looking in the totally other direction. I can't remember who it was. Maybe last year, maybe in the year before. Maybe in Spurs. And um, yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, it's a good job that penalty was of no consequence in that game because someone would have been, I mean, imagine Deserbi going to losing his rag. I thought Lissandro should have given one away on Romero later in the game where Romero gets there first and Lissandro is late. 
collides with his leg and they say where they decide what is a tackle and what's a coming together this is another nonsense and look if you were being cynical you'd say the people on comms maybe have a reason to oh there's nothing in that well, they, I, they downplayed I, it to the point where I saw it again I thought hang on a minute I thought it was a conversation yeah. to be had yeah I probably wouldn't have given it as a penalty but yeah I, I always have a problem with I actually don't mind Neville commenting on commentating on United games because I always think it's worth it when it all goes wrong I think I accept some of the uh, maybe buyers because of the payoff ultimately but I do think that's one where he does kind of you're manipulating the audience a little bit because he'll go there's nothing in that I think you'd be giving you ooh if this was you know into any other club basically the the difference and I'll go back to it till the day I die the Martinelli goal Old Trafford last year there was a tackle immediately after where he ooed and you thought in the was it the 7-0 he did one there was a Liverpool game last season where he did a ooh for a tackle by Van Dyke on was it Jota it was in the Spurs it was in the Spurs Liverpool game yeah, yeah. and I think it was Jota did it and he, he was like he was blowing the house down he uh, yeah I mean Jota did nearly kill someone in that game as well so <laughs> hopefully it's not the same challenge Let's let's talk about Liverpool. We spend a lot of time on Man United. Um, Only concern for Spurs, by the way. I would be concerned about Richarlison. I just watch him. I think he yeah. just looks out of his depth. I thought he'd look more up for the challenge of, take, of taking Kane's position. Yeah, and look, and it might be the same with United's midfield and fitness. By the way, and Casemiro, it may we're two games in. It may just be they're not up to speed yet. So I think that's absolutely possible. And by the way, if you're United, you've invested that money, in Casemiro amount. I think you've got to assume it's a fitness thing. I don't think you can go, oh shit, we've got to blow <laughs> yeah. it all up. Uh, and maybe that's it with Richardson. I would have, even just his general body, I would have thought he'd be more keen to step up to the yeah. Kane role. I don't think I've seen that from him yet. We've seen players, players can do a fantastic job of looking busy if they want to. And yeah. he doesn't even look like he's doing that. He looks no. like he's hiding more than he's doing that. Um, with just one training session under his belt, Liverpool's third signing of the summer was handed his debut off the bench against Bournemouth as Jurgen Klopp tried to inject some calm into proceedings. Endo, who I don't think any of us had really heard of at this point last week, completed a 16.2 million move from Stuttgart on Friday. He said he'd been watching Liverpool's pursuit of a holding midfielder with interest this summer, but assumed that search had ended when they agreed a 111 million deal for Moises Caicedo. Didn't we all? <laughs> he said that he'd been following the news like everyone else and that he first heard of Liverpool's interest at the start of last week. I mean, surely he's not saying, and I thought, well, I'll be getting the call. If this goes wrong, I'll be, I'm third well, on the list, so, obviously. So you get it sometimes where. Ramsdale spoke about when he joined Arsenal and he said, when I got the call basically to say, the agent said, Arsenal might be interested. He's like, what does that mean? He said, because you get that a lot. He said, you hear, you know, so-and-so has asked a couple of questions about you basically. Especially this summer, lodged uh, And he said that that's the first he'd heard of any kind of interest from Liverpool was was then. That's because we didn't have any prices as yeah. Does this tell you that he's perhaps not come in as a squad player, but, He's here to start matches. Yeah, I I saw that Paul Joyce say similar, but been wrong a couple of times this window. Yeah, so. tough for him. I think when he was signing, everyone thought, well, this 
we need we need more depth as well. So this will be the depth player, and we'll go big on someone else. I think those people may be disappointed. <laughs> I think this may be. You're linked the, to some uh, Brazilian guy. today for thirty mil. Andre, isn't yeah, it? yeah. He's a B plus on football manager when I scouted him. Okay, well there you go. That yeah. was mainly for potential. The that um, that conversation came about even when we were in. We thought we were in for Lavia. There's going to be those two. People were saying uh, at the time where people thought, "Well, just Lavia won't do. We'll need more than that." <laughs> Jesus, where are those people? He said, "I understand top clubs want young talent, but I just have to say to myself, this is the only chance you can get to move to Liverpool because they usually try to get younger players. I got the chance, and I intend to take it." My agent called me. I had to decide quickly. I couldn't say no to play in the Premier League. That was always my dream. I would always tell my agent I wanted to play in the Premier League for a top, top team. And here I am. I was getting ready to play in the Bundesliga. Now I'm playing here at Anfield in the Premier League in front of all these fans. It's so crazy. It is. It's a, it's a, it's a rocky story because, I mean, in that case, Apollo literally picked out a random name, picked Italian Stallion. He'll do. It feels like we've looked down the list and gone, well... Seems like he can do a, a job. See, it is nice, and this is going to sound very patronising. Oh, good. It's nice when a player seems as enthusiastic about the club as you are. Especially when you've just been not bad with you. <laughs> yeah, and part of the thing is, so I text Troy at the start of the week. Rob Holding did a podcast this week, and I listened to it. It's about an hour long. I said, he really is a great bloke. He loves Arsenal. Yeah. It's just a shame he's not a very good player. <laughs> now, I don't think there's an Arsenal fan out there that would say a bad word about Carl Jenkinson. Endo has already had a better career than Carl Jenkinson. <laughs> don't know how many Champions League appearances he's got like Carl, uh, but Carl Jenkinson scored once in, I think it was like a 5 or 6 nil win against Norwich, and he celebrated like it was the best goal he'd ever that's ever been scored. And he was asked after, why did you celebrate that? You're five and up. He was like, well, I've dreamt of scoring for Arsenal my entire life. I wasn't going to not do did it. Did you see the pictures of my wallpaper? Come on. He had a stone for it, like his family outside the stadium. And yeah, that, that picture of his room was a bit off. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a nice story if either he doesn't play or he has to play well. Yeah. yeah There's no it. real in between. And from what we've seen, and I went straight to YouTube, watched some comps, so he looks a decent player. The way the news cycle has gone, I'm now questioning why you ever wanted Caicedo when this guy was waiting there the whole time. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said that because I'm a little bit doing this <laughs> and I thought this is one of the most delusional things I think I've ever done to convince myself that this £16 million signing from the fourth worst team in the Bundesliga is actually better than these two unbelievable players that we missed out on. Yeah, and if it was plus someone else, then I think you'll get some leeway. The issue now is when Klopp's having to defend you before you even played a game, it's not a great start. I understand the appetites there. The time We went for Caicedo and then ended up with Jorginho. Yeah. And I thought that might be what you were doing in you're going to then get your Declan Rice. Yeah. It looks like you might not be getting your Declan yeah. Rice. <laughs> Pretty key part I think largely equation. because I don't know who's out there. No. There's no Neither ob- does the club. Don't no, worry. there's no obvious one that, that you're looking at. And if Real Madrid said, we're selling one of these, one of our midfield this summer, you're not going to be the only team going in for yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
uh, maybe if it's Chu Man, he's put some groundwork in. Maybe if it's Jude, what does that mean? If it's Jude, you've put some groundwork. Our, our groundwork is horrible. <laughs> we take them on about six dates and don't get anywhere. Did you watch any comps or anything like that? It was a three o'clock game for his performance. I, I watched some of your game. Yeah, there's a bit doing the rounds. It's he looks competent enough. Yeah, the, the thing is, he's going to be looks like someone the fans will like anyway because, like you said, it's a feel good story, and he's going to put himself about. And you don't doubt he's going to give everything. He, like you said, he's going to be as enthusiastic about the club as any player we've had. And we have no one else to do the job. So if you are breaking up the play and having any defensive mouse, we're going to like you at the minute because that's what that midfield needs. And in a way, you don't you don't need something much more expansive than that. You kind of just need him to sit yeah. in there and, and do that. So if you were to go, maybe we should have shouldn't spend too high a fee and it makes sense to do that. The question is obviously going to be all this sort of goodwill towards him now will fade away if he's just not up to the level. And it won't necessarily be directed at him. It will be, you know, to the club saying, how the hell have you ended up with this guy who's miles worse than we should have ended up with? The flip side, obviously, football's a fickle game. If he ends up being, you've got to assume, won't be as good as those guys. But if he's... He can be better than Lavia. If he's not far off as good as them, for £16 million, you're going to go, well, we've got the better deal. How accurate or not that is, that's how football fans will see it. If I'm running a middling publication at this stage, all I do is I tweet out, think of any name, whoever it needs to be, say, Liverpool have decided there's no value in the market this summer and they're going to wait till next year where they're going to go big on a midfielder. You've got about 100,000 hits in... 10 minutes when those, once those aggregators get hold of it because that'll be what the third year I was that's about been, to say I mean, story. the boy who cried wolf Jesus I think you might get someone else in I, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if, if you did get Amrabat I in, think Amrabat or Andre will be the one they're both around 20-25 million is supposedly the mark and I think that's what we'll do which this makes a lot of sense as the window goes on you are going to have to pay more and I'm sure the club are aware of that the club don't bank on that. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily seem to know how the window works. There also has to be a thing of clearly Endo is above Amrabat on your board yeah. of players you're taking as who's going to be better. So if it's that Endo doesn't satisfy the, the needs, then I'm not sure Amrabat is going to. I think people are going to be looking very quickly at Bacetic and saying, get fit quick from this big injury that you had in you now don't have the freedom to develop as a youngster yeah. because we're now putting expectation on your shoulders, which can be good for some players. But Yeah, and he seems like the type that would thrive in it. But also, we've got a pretty small sample size. Basically, he came into the team that was really struggling, had no energy in the midfield. So a young player who will put himself about automatically is going to look good. Now, this guy could be our midfielder for the next however many years. It could be that was the sign of a, a really good young player coming through. I don't think it's far off equally possible that he's like Yamazai, where you came into a struggling team, we needed some optimism, positivity, you looked good for a spell, and then in reality, you're just quite a good player. Then we say Garnacho. That's <laughs> I think he's a bit better than that, but uh, better than Yamazai would have been. But yeah, it could exactly be the same sort of thing. Uh, so... Which is fine for a 17, 18-year-old player that projects, but if you're then saying he, you're our main guy in the middle of the field, 
that's not really fair on him. It's it's a lot of pressure to put, and we'll be in a lot of trouble. I think we'd be open to selling Al Nenny. <laughs> I'm sure you would. Shake it, Al Nenny. Get the chat going. The the only thing for Endo is because no one knew anything about him, and then that first compilation had dropped that was like a minute long, which is a red flag anyway. And then the opening ten seconds of him getting subbed, <laughs> you <going>, you <laughs> couldn't get anything other watched, than him walking off the pitch. I watched like a seven minute. Expectation was so fair. low. That yeah, it was kind of is he. Even what what Klopp was saying about it is like, is he saying he'll be better than you expect, or is he just saying, you know, he's legitimately a good player, or is he going, look, he's better than shit? Well, I thought Klopp was basically trying to say look, we wanted him anyway, so don't don't worry about that. Endo kind of blew that up. I think we pump fake Chelsea into signing Kaiser and Lavia, <laughs> yep, for the chess, etc., etc. We wanted the thirty-year-old from the Bundesliga. I think in allowing it to become what it did and it, it's none of his fault there's more pressure on Lavia now because I saw the reaction to Caicedo giving away a penalty which we're going to get to yeah but he Liverpool, should Liverpool are not the ops you want it's a good point we, yeah we'll we'll put some uh, voodoo on, on Lavia as well he is shielded by the Caicedo situation though like so, that that fee his what, disaster debut everyone's going to be focusing on him I do think Lavio can get away with it a little bit more. We're not even talking about Mudrick and Enzo's fees anymore, really, because Caicedo's just could like it, this. Could it benefit that Endo now doesn't have to be better than Caicedo? He just has to be better than Lavio? I don't think he has to be better than him, is the crazy thing. He can ha- I think he can have a better season than him, you but I think right. Liverpool fans, that might be... I don't be- think he will. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think, as lo- again, as lo- if he can get anywhere near that, that's a success, because the- he's was never on our radar and cost such a low fee that I, if you get anywhere near them, it's kind of embarrassing for them. I don't... I was going to say, not since Mudrick, but that's fairly recent. Yeah. Not since Mudrick has PR spun me like this because Endo, I'm, I was wondering, I'm wondering why we didn't sign yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. We've got about yeah. four defensive midfielders. Yeah, I'm, I'm so relieved that you've said this because I've been thinking this and then I thought, am I, have I just lost my mind that all these accounts are just putting out this positivity about him. I'm watching him go, yeah, you know what? He is, obviously, he's going to be like Mascherano for us. There is something. I don't know if it's the way that um, we idolise a lot of the best parts of their their culture. I don't know if it's um, just we've seen a lot of cool players through the years. Japanese players in the league do always seem to be popular. Yeah, it's true. The way the way I, the last year I got Tommy Asu on the back of my Arsenal shit mm. wouldn't have got it last night yeah. if I had to do it again. <laughs> Amazing thing with him is he speaks English as well, which I thought I goes a long way. I thought kind of you know Japanese guy's been playing in Germany. No, I had no assumptions that he would speak English, and it sounds like his is fine. Which because people were saying, oh well, he's actually always been a leader as well. Well, if he can't speak the language, it doesn't really matter. But he sounds he looks like he can. And by the way, as much as everyone's talking about the age. You can't have it both ways because we had a big thing that we've had a leadership void now that Henderson and Milner's gone. We need some experience in that. One of the things that people seems a distant memory now, a lot of people who didn't want Lavia were going, well, look, he's only like a year older than Bacetic. He's only played 20 yeah. games more than him. So we need more experience in there. The minute we got a bit of experience, we're like, hang on a minute, who's this guy? Do so you think, do you think it's a your poison? Klopp hasn't been shy of bringing players in immediately before. In fact, Darwin may be one of the odd ones out in... Once I mean, he was he's out of the team. Yeah. Extreme odd one out. So, 
But the fact you had one training session, that's when you look at, you're winning the game, I, uh, but I know you're down to 10 men. Curtis Jones, the, the way you were playing, you didn't need a destroyer in there. So either Klopp said, we may need a destroyer now, or he's that high up now on the depth chart that he's the guy you bring in and that should be a good sign if anything. I think they're always going to give him minutes. I think the the card probably does bring that on a bit more. And I think he was obviously the right guy. Curtis Jones was injured. Oh, okay. So, uh, shockingly. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he Harvey Elliott there? I don't huh? know. He's not going to play Harvey Elliott at the six, I'm aware. But. No, he came on as well. Um, no, so it's also probably a testament to Klopp's back to the guy's fitness and his intelligence that he, go, he threw him straight in because... It gets forgotten now. He didn't when we brought in Fabinho. He didn't really start playing him from the jump, uh, from the start of games until around October. First couple of months, because people were saying uh, he started his Liverpool career a bit slowly. It's like well, he didn't start it slowly. He just didn't get games, and then Klopp slowly brought him in. So he does tend to want to do that with, I think, players in the middle like that. But he, uh, he's obviously threw him straight in the deep end. Some questions on the game. Uh, you're defending for the goal. <laughs> I mean, to start the game. Didn't heed defending. the initial warning. No, no, no. It's I don't know what it is, especially at the start of games. I don't know what they're all thinking. I don't know who's getting them together, trying to get them to concentrate in because it ain't working. How on earth did you get a penalty? Yeah, the, the officials gave and took in this game because that's yeah, that's as bad as I, I'm now. The when I read the reports of the match. I was watching it via a Twitter stream, to be fair. I don't know if you can say that, but there we go. <laughs> you were in America at the time. Really weird. <laughs> you were watching the game on NBC. I I legit didn't see any contact. Like When I first saw the uh, the replay, I thought that's definitely being overruled. He's getting I, was, I was on FaceTime I'm to my right. brother, and I said, okay, let's go. What? <laughs> because, because behind. So I saw a thing pop up that, do we need to talk about Salah's penalty because uh, <laughs> oh, the gets it is, in the net because he scored the rebound he's going to get the next one like, no what are we doing so it does that so I already knew he scored and I thought I can't I can't believe this and I thought I was going mad when there wasn't as much of a response as I thought there would be because it was three o'clock maybe but yeah because it's three o'clock and unfairly because it's against Bournemouth people aren't giving it much attention but the uh I think going to be better than they were last season at a, a bare minimum. And they were difficult to play against the times last season. Not against you, I know, but uh, they, we went life and death with them. They beat us. They beat oh, yeah, 1-0 yeah, yeah. The, the week after yeah, we beat know, United yeah. 7-0, we lost 1-0 to well, Bournemouth. Bad, bad that season in a, in a nutshell. No, the, it was much the same as, but actually worse uh, with the Spurs-Brentford penalty, where you get, well, technically he's touched the player and not the ball, so... It's a foul, but it's barely, and there was last even less season, contact than our ones. So. Last season, it went against you if you exaggerated the contact. That didn't seem to go against Sabo's life. His one, as a look, it looked. It looks like, like quite a pause, obvious. and then a jump. Yeah, exactly. There was a delay. The way he throws himself up looks like Ronaldo you would, when, form, you, yeah. when you dive. So, I'm surprised they uh, they bit on it, but I do think for this, if they even the scores with the red card. So though. yeah, so. The, the reasoning they give there is the height of the connection, the position of the boot. Um, I follow a guy on, on Twitter who 
has pretty good contacts from what you see. And he claims that from speaking with someone at VAR, Liverpool should not appeal that or they're going to just be with that in front of the game because Jesus. they basically say with the things that they check off, and this is literally the way they need to do it, they can fit what they see to the kind of checklist of things they need to do. So when we see the penalty and they're having to rule it out, they say, look, was there contact in the area? Yeah, Did yeah, it impede the player? Exactly. And so in this one, whether you agree with it or not, they say foot was raised. Don't know how else you're supposed to win the ball there. <laughs> yeah. Studs were out. The position you made connection with and they can, there's no real like outline of um, endangering an opponent. That's a very subjective thing. That yeah. If they want to make that stick, they're going to make it stick. And with the pressure that there's been in uh, the last, well, the first two weeks of the season, I think it could go one of two ways. Either like they did with the United penalty, they say, we got it wrong. I think once they've done that and they had that really bad weekend where they had the Spurs game, the Brighton game, and the Arsenal game yeah. last season, they're very hesitant to do it immediately after because then we might start saying, hang on, you're making a couple of mistakes here in a yeah. short period of time. So they're going to have to double down on some of these. And I think this one is easy for them to double down on. And I think the Romero penalty is easy for them to double down on. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them stick with this. I don't think Klopp's getting an apology anytime soon. And much like Arteta hasn't done himself any favours, Klopp's not done himself any favours. The, no. the the PGMOL are not looking to help out Jurgen no. Klopp and do no. him, him favours. So. No, exactly. Now, having him absent for a game against Newcastle <sighs> and the way that midfield looks, <sighs> that that's unpleasant. Endo... We're about to see what you're made of, son. The only person looking for that less than me is Gakpo. And unfortunately, he's going to be playing in that midfield. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want that work. Oh, <laughs> I'm not going to go through the article. There was peak athletic today. I don't know if you saw the title of their article on Sabozlai. It's oh, a whole God. article on him having little feet. <laughs> And that is peak athletic. It's him wearing certain boots when he was younger because he didn't want his feet to grow anymore. And there's a big thing in Hungary that only Ibrahim, Ibrahimovic is the only player to be good with big feet. And you want long legs, but little feet. <laughs> this helps the way you strike a ball. And he's comparing himself to Puskas and all of these things. What? I stopped halfway through. It was like, this is like this is too I'll much. I'll check that out. That's up my street. Yeah. there's. A, I mean, there's a lot on the athletic. They've had a couple of exclusives this week, so... On so what you like, mean? Yeah. Last thing on Liverpool. I was very high on McAllister coming out of last season, coming into this season, was going to buy an Argentina World Cup shirt with him on over Messi, which I'm very glad I didn't. <laughs> I thought he would be the standout guy in your midfield so far. And maybe it's because of the position he's playing in because of the inefficiencies in the transfer mm-hmm. market. So Bozzola, you were unsure not sure of the player, unsure of the fit. Yeah. After two games, have you changed your opinion at all? Because I think he got man of the match on Saturday. Yeah. Slightly more reassured, but I guess um, because he's come in, played the position that we thought we were going to play him in. The fact that he's been taken to it quite quickly, having played largely wider for Leipzig last year, 
impresses me, like you said, how quickly he's taken to it. So, but some of my questions about the fit are related to how open we're going to be in midfield and we're going to concede. <laughs> and I, th- I think, I don't think that's necessarily his fault, but as time develops, as we get better, it might become more of a glaring, oh, this guy wants to press forward more and maybe we'll have to rein that in. So, yeah, it's, he's a player that you can get excited about, though. You know, I, I said to you that my main thing with Arsenal with the Havertz money was it's not necessarily because I'm Havertz. It's, I think, for that money, what could you have got? I agree. And if I saw this guy's highlight reel and Arsenal signing for 60 million, I'd have been bricking it about you as a Muslim. I just think he could have been like a, a good fit for what you do, another exciting sort of player. Uh, so the fact that we've got him, it's a bit of a buzz. You're right about McAllister, but until we see him That's what in, I mean. in a position, yeah. I, I would sort of refrain from judgment because, yeah, I, I would just... I'm not judging him saying he's been playing bad. Just, no, uh, he hasn't I caught thought, the eye at all. I thought he? he would be the highlight guy. Hasn't caught the guy. And you would have thought he'd not even adapt. He would be better than... Suppose, like, yeah, I think he's, I think he's you, incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. What I've, whether it's Endo, whether it's another player, once you get that player bedded, bedded in... You you would hope to see more from McAllister. I think he may be the guy with with what he can offer. That it may be okay. You spent the money on him. He was available for thirty five with twenty add ons or what was supposed to be. Not maybe for United for instead of Mount. Yes, I I yeah. think for us with Havertz as well. I, I yeah, think yeah. maybe yeah. he might not be not fast as in pace. I'm I, he may not. There may not be enough flair with him, Rice and Party, if that was going to be the thing in there. But I guess it'd, it'd be interesting. It'd, it'd be okay. It'd be Rice, McAllister, Odegaard. That's a nice midfield. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's not think about that. <laughs> West Ham, Chelsea. Pochettino's wait for a first victory will go on for at least five more days. They would be three-one away at West Ham on Sunday. Again, score. The guest scored early with a uh, header from a corner. Carney Chukwemeka. I knew. I'm just reading it again. Jack tried gaslighting me, saying it was Chukwemeka, and I knew it wasn't. And just I've just seen it again. So, yeah. I was so uh, shook by that whole ordeal that I've just purposely refrained from saying his name because I had no idea which of you was right. Chukwem- so- I knew it. <laughs> I, just- I knew it was. Um, Chukwem- nice, nice goal by him. Yeah, it's it's. Feels a long time ago. Remember, Villa were very, very angry about the way that they lost him. Yeah, he yeah. wouldn't sign a deal with them. He was basically saying he should be getting first team minutes already. And Villa was saying, "Well, no, we'll give you that once you've committed to us. Until then, we've got the likes of Jacob Ramsey that we're going to invest our time into." Chelsea pay, I think, something like sixteen million. Uncharacteristic for them to yeah. sneak a young player. Well, to get him out with like six months left on a deal. I know they would have had to pay like the, the the tribunal fees and all of this. Very well spoken about. From what I've seen of him, he does look like he's going to be unreal just in the middle of the park. Didn't know he had this kind of thing in his locker because of what we've seen of him. Yeah. That little shift he does, a Suchek, it's not good enough from him, but very good from him. Yeah, your concern for him would be is he's he going to get the game time? He's now out for six weeks. He, he did. Uh, he got injured in that game. I didn't realise it was that serious. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. That's had surgery. Oh, okay. Yeah, the it's a shame for him because you could easily easily end up in a spot where you can't get a look in again when you come back. Yeah. In a 
pretty disgusting club. It was nice to see him, how happy he was with the goal as well. Yeah. I would say there's not many moments at Chelsea where you can go, <laughs> well, that's a nice feel-good story because they might be very successful with this whole thing, but it's not going to be a feel-good story, is it? It's going to be, no. oh, club that spent a billion How are you going to feel on Mudrick's first, if it ever comes? Like I did when Torres finally got his goal for him. <laughs> like, I feel so bad for this man that, you know what, fair play. I think, yeah, I think the second will be worse because, okay, yeah, that wasn't a one-off. Well, if he starts in the ground running, then yeah, but we're st- I don't know. We're yeah, there's not looking. We might be in Werner territory with him where, <laughs> you know, when it happens, you know, oh, when's that going to happen? Well, maybe we'll save him in like a year's time. We, we've got a habit of that. Enzo Fernandez <laughs> missing a penalty brings tears to your eyes that because... <laughs> People were a little too hot on him playing against Gonna be carried away. a lack of midfield in Liverpool. It went, well, I think he made one progressive pass in that game. There was, there was, he had a good game. I said yeah. that last week. I won't go back on it, but we kind of erased everything that's happened before. That fan getting community noted by saying that he'd only won one game and the community note saying, actually, he's won four Premier League games. <laughs> Four wins with like 16 losses in a Chelsea shirt in the Premier League alone. I, I'd i like my hundred and whatever million pound midfielder to be dragging me through games there. I don't want him we'll, going down. We'll keep, that, uh, we'll keep that uh, noted. Dragged us through. <laughs> dragged us through with 10 men against Crystal Palace last night. I've not seen that from Enzo. Pochettino did send on the latest big money signing, Moises Caicedo, in a bid to salvage something, and he gave away a penalty that, that sealed his side's fate. I knew Liverpool fans weren't happy with Caicedo. I didn't know they were this unhappy with <laughs> Caicedo. My timeline lit up. It was like Blackpool illuminations. It was insane. I was laughing like a maniac because I didn't even realise that I didn't really want the guy I spent most of the window going you know what I'm not really that interested guy say though no. I mean what would I be like if Lavi has a howler it was the when Paddy Power like joined him with the jokes and everyone's doing it when you join the devil's club these are the kind of things that that happen yeah 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 you made that deal I mean, um, it was unless it was a horror show. I mean, his touch Chelsea, was off, couldn't run. The then Chelsea, the I'm seeing things like he won every duel he, he challenged for, and you know, all this stuff where you see the stat sheet after. And I recognise I quoted Kai Havertz winning duels earlier in the episode, <laughs> but that was in my fate. That was in my favour. <laughs> but ignore that. <laughs> this this guy did cost nearly twice as much as Havertz. Yeah, which is pretty yeah, just how much money we're talking as well. Yeah, I saw that was a lot of money anyway. I saw the performance, I thought it's bad, but I didn't know he was going to be the guy to kind of salvage the game anyway. And then, uh, you, yeah, he, mean, that man was getting cooked. Yeah, that is one where you can go, probably just not fit yet, because he was just off the pace. He didn't play he in got ran by He got ran by someone. I was like, how the fuck is that happening? He didn't, um, he didn't play much in, in pre-season. Um, yeah, because of that whole thing, so... I know... Some of the question, as is going to be the case when when you join a bigger club, so to say, or at least a more open one, is how he was going to adapt to defending far more open spaces. 
I would say we should probably make the most of that performance while we can because yes. there's not going to be too I many I think that was them. partly baked into the reaction was we might not have many games like this, so let's enjoy laughing at him. Yeah, uh, West Ham's performance in general, David Moyes, fighter. The most unhappy people about it were probably the West Ham fans. <laughs> who like, so we've got more Moyes here. Uh, my dad was furious and they won the game. It's like, you won. I don't understand. Was, we, well, we set up not to lose. Like, yeah, and you not only didn't lose, you won. <laughs> it's Chelsea who are better than you. So it seems like a fair... I got I got a text from uh, Connor Palmer this time. It's confusing for us. Yeah. Connor Palmer and Connor Harmer saying that he was hoping Jack was on the podcast, which we probably acknowledge now. He's None- not... <laughs> No offence taken. No he, he's not just been sat here quiet. He said... <laughs> yeah. Jack, are you going to say something? He he went to go and rip after the game. And after what we spoke about last week, Jack just said, yep. And he said, I just left it after that. Because no. what can you do? He said, I just felt bad. Gave him nothing. Um, Fabianski has been speaking in the press about being disrespected by being replaced as number one. It's a good reaction from Ariola. That West Ham fans have been asking why Fabianski was still the number one for a fair while now. Sterling, so I bet they weren't when Ariola punted that one shot for a throw in. I bet they <laughs> yeah. weren't there. And I was like, what the hell is this guy? Sterling looked like a man possessed. Yeah, he looked He looked good in the game against us, but at the same time, there's a lot of open space for him it's to just, get at. He, he, was the he only does one. look up for it. Yeah. He does look like he's trying to lay down the statement. I say trying because, you know. Doesn't score. Yeah, uh, Reese James injured. Um, <laughs> Shocker. Yeah, I feel like um, I've been held to account for the Nkunku one, so maybe I can get this one get get this one out without taking uh, any licks back. The timber injury scratched it off. It's fine. Potch says he still needs attacking reinforcements. You've got to feel for it. He does. He does. Come on. How? It's working on a shoestring. How can they be spending the money they are? And we're at a stage where we're debating whether Chelsea will or won't get Brennan Johnson. I don't understand how this works. It's like they want... <laughs> he's, a fun, he's a fun player, but... Fun. That's just... He's a good player. He's... I, I don't see how you can be going for, like, the cream of the crop everywhere else. And then it gets to a striker and you're kind of like, sort yourself out. It is, it is odd, isn't it? It doesn't really make a lot of sense that you're doing like the endo signing, but up front. It doesn't fit in with the general MO of what the club's doing. Are they not just going to... I thought for sure they would just at least try with Ossiman. Just try? I mean, it's what, probably going to cost 120 million. Maybe. Which is what they're spending on like six Brazilians that nobody's ever heard of. Or midfielders they don't need just yeah, to spy in Liverpool. Not, <laughs> or there's got to be someone... So, um, I've forgotten his name. The Portuguese fella that was linked with um, Gonzalo Ramos. Yes. Yeah. Someone like that, I thought, they'll go in for someone. Yeah, and they'll go, well, look at that World Cup. And, you, and it you just go, seems you, you they're just like, like... It is an odd... If we take care of everyone else, then the goals will come, basically. Which... Kind of... Not exactly the same. Their Man United have kind of ended up in that spot where it's a little bit like... Yeah, the, pro- the striker's been almost like the last priority. Like, well, maybe try and get that sorted first. Do you feel like every time Mudrick comes on, you're like, okay, he's going to kick on now. Yeah. And yeah. then he just he just doesn't. doesn't. 
this one was spooky because it was like a technique issue almost. When you looked at him, he could shape up to that volley. It was like, oh, that was, it was ugly. Remember I, remember I, I, I quoted it at the time and it came across as sour grapes because it was. <laughs> and I, I said that there was um, an extract from a Ukrainian newspaper where they basically said, they alluded to, it was something like, uh, eventually the cat will be out of the bag and you'll find out this We've guy got, is not worth the money that basically we yeah wrenched you for. They worded it. There was some phrase that that they used that sounded very cool, and I thought. And I said at the start of the season, he's my player to watch. I said someone with that amount of pace and power in this league can't fail. He's doing. A, he's giving it a good go. Yeah. The volley. The, the the volley. I thought was a tougher chance than the rest, but. He, he's not, it's not he's an not, easy chance, but he sent it for a throw. Yeah, he's not running at players in the same way that he's going to be. Chelsea aren't playing in a way. For what he was, what Sterling was doing on Sunday is what Madrid was signed to do. Yeah, and I don't know that you'd back him to do that. And he's not. He he's running at players. He kind looks of, like when you watch him, you're going to like if they aren't playing a high line and he can run in behind. I don't know what he can do. Is this maybe and that's why he should have came on sooner against us? By the way, was that maybe the most damning indictment of your season last year? That he was able to receive the prop that he did after playing you, <laughs> because that hasn't happened after playing anyone else. Let me tell you, there was more low lights than that. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, Paqueta, Money. unreal performance. Might be as good as I've seen it. I saw a tweet say there's there's not many Mavericks left in this game, <laughs> and that just sounds cool anyway. But yeah, yeah, does. he he. He was playing to his own tune. Yeah, he looked more Brazilian than I've seen him previously as well. <laughs> so, do you know what I mean? Because in the Conference League final, before he had a really good game, the pass, obviously, to Bowen is the pick of it. But rather than that, sometimes it's, he shows you flashes, but it's more workmanlike. Whereas on this, he kind of did all the day where plus went a bit Brazilian. It was pretty I, impressive. I keep seeing it on my TikTok. Um, his dance... My body doesn't move like that. And I've, I mean, I've tried in the last couple of days. Tried to replicate it. Just while waiting for like the microwave to work. Yeah. It doesn't shift like that. The tune's been in my head though, so. Uh, Would have had huge respect for him if either he misses the penalty by a mile or he's already on a yellow card. He whips the shirt off and gets a red. With everything, with all the betting a scandal. Is it, is it not nuts that... So... When the reason you can't bet is because we're suspecting that you'll be able to influence the game, you're up to no good. And the ones integrate the game, yeah. But we find out that you've compromised the integrity of the game and go, should we just sort this out some other time? <laughs> Let's say West Ham, he was supposed to have a meeting on Monday with the FA, and West Ham just asked, do us a fake, can you move it? And the He's FA got said, a busy yeah. week. Yeah, sad. Yeah, that's it's it, It's in our best interests and unless it's against us because I'd rather see West Ham playing with Paqueta than without and I would rather see Brentford playing with Ivan Tony than I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Paqueta is going to go for the same. Not all those bets were me, yeah, by I'm the sure way. He will. I'm sure he will, yeah. <laughs> but even Tony's justification of like, I was betting myself to score first. But so you're going to try and score when maybe you should pass. I don't know that, that yeah. seems a really strange thing to get in his head. I watched some of the clips of his interview and I did think, oh, don't, don't know how well advised this was. No. There was nothing too explosive, I didn't think. No. But I just thought he came across in a certain way that was a little bit 
almost like they were out to get him. And it's yeah. like, well, you are a high-profile guy, and if you did put that number of bets on, they are going to be able to get you. It's not. I don't who, know. It's not. Who did you out. think he was? And flirting. I like him. Who did you think he was flirting with more? If you had Arsenal at one and Liverpool at the other, where would you put the marker? I don't know. I thought he was. I don't know why he throwing his eyelashes at both of us. I don't know why he mentions us. It's a good point. Yeah, because you could just say I'm a Liverpool fan. Yeah, and then it was like. I like how passionate Arsenal fans are. That was an odd thing. Yeah, you, you are right. That was odd. I thought that was horrible look, generally, though, because you're banned. He's been doing that for about two years. <laughs> but essentially saying that as soon as I come back from this ban, I'm looking at my options. I don't I don't know. It's, it's not the club's fault. He's well, I think banned. everyone thought he was, he'd was he have been off this summer if, if uh, he wasn't banned. And he'd probably be at Chelsea or Spurs. Great. So now... Because you're banned, they're not going to lose you on a free next year. That's Yeah, I, I, I agree. If you were a Brentford fan, I don't know. I think yeah. you'd be looking at him in a slightly different light now. JWP, two assists on his debut. Not a bad sign in that. Very good. Yeah, 30 still, million pounds, he's perfect. for the. He does the job. It's, it worked better already. This, this is, no, to be fair, this isn't what I thought wouldn't work. I think his legs, his, his lack of legs may be found out, but... I've said before, I don't think it's as bad on that front as you as you do. I don't think he's Declan Rice, but I don't think he's... I don't watch games and think you're a liability in there who's basically just in for your set pieces and your technique and, and the legs make you a, a liability. I don't think that. Now, I don't know, in a few years' time, maybe I might change my mind on that. All right. A uh, couple of things on City, Newcastle. City made it look very easy, unfortunately. Hmm. Pep's tweaked his system again. This time Akanji was moving into midfield with Rodri from centre-back. Vardiol and Diaz staying back. Walker and Grealish holding the width. Kovacic, Foden and Alvarez formed like a, a midfield trio and then Haaland up top. Newcastle were just completely nullified. It was it was death by a thousand passes, as Arteta calls it. Walker, high left Gordon and Byrne not knowing what the hell they should be doing. Howe didn't know whether to push or pull his wingers. Byrne was just getting ragdolled. No clue how it was only 1-0, really. And maybe the best thing you could say about City's performance is um, Newcastle got beaten to submission. We were watching it together. At the end of the game, they, they were barely pushing for a winner. No, they- it was... I don't know if you've seen the Dog Whisperer episode on South Park where <laughs> Cesar Milan, he keeps going tss, tss, on, on Cartman until he just, just takes it, basically. <laughs> and that was... Newcastle, by the end, they just took it and... I think there's a point when you play City where losing 1-0 to City doesn't sound that bad. No, it's it's the boxing equivalent of going, I'm going to lose this on points rather than getting knocked out. And yeah, which is disappointing for Newcastle having put on the performance they did against Villa in the first game. I thought they could cause City some problems here. Uh, I thought City might be a little bit more unsettled than you used to thinking. They did just have that Super Cup game in in midweek even if that wasn't affecting them, Pepper talked about it enough that I wondered if it might get in their heads anyway. And I thought, yeah, I thought Newcastle would give them a, even if City won it, it'd be a sort of a going over where, yeah, this has been a test. It was a breeze for them. I thought City, Newcastle and Spurs United was nailed on for the overs. Didn't back it on either of them, but I would have thought they were both nailed on. Mm. Unders on both. It's Premier League for you. <laughs> Villa 4, Everton nil. Any real comment on Everton holding four to Villa? Like they look especially bad this year. Yeah, they they don't look good. It's 
Look, we spoke about it in the preseason pod. It's like they probably going to be banking on being lucky <laughs> that there's just going to be three worst teams. It's if Luton and Sheffield are as bad as people think, everyone's fighting for that last spot. It could be Everton on current on current evidence. If Gary O'Neill can get anything out of Wolves, which I didn't price into my prediction when I said Wolves are good, <laughs> I didn't think get Gary O'Neill. Um, if he can get something out of them at this point in time, I think Brentford. I think um, sorry. Wolves. I think Wolves would be the pick of the bunch because I think, you know, I I thought other teams like Brentford without Tony or West Ham would struggle and they've already got points on the board. I mean, how's Calvert-Lewin's luck, by the way? Yeah. I mean, it breaks his face. Guy can't catch a break. Yeah, it was both keepers because Pickford tried buttering Watkins as well for their penalty. He just, believe it or not, couldn't make a clean connection. <laughs> <laughs> Emmy Martinez does, does it to DCL and um, my guy has to sit on the sidelines again concussion and a broken cheekbone that looks grim yeah can my man Shea Adams make a difference I mean he's better having nobody there but it's if you're if he's scoring the goals to keep you up you're in trouble now I think the question is slightly different because he's got a year left on his deal if Shea Adams had two years left on his deal is it a better decision to stay at Southampton or go to Everton. Do you get another Premier League shot if you join Everton and go down? That's a good point. But he could get injured this year with Southampton and then he's got a year left on it. His, his deal's done. I guess it's, do you think he'll score a lot of goals at championship level? Yes. So in which case, but then I, don't, I don't watch enough of the championship. Stick around, have your good year. You've probably got your pick of your options the next summer. Because people will look at it and someone will take a punt. I would question I think he might have a good year in the championship where maybe the numbers don't I just don't know how many goals he'll score I just don't know if he's that guy from what we've seen so Villa look very good against Everton very bad against Newcastle where are we putting the marker there are they very good or are they very bad I couldn't believe how open they were against Newcastle I guess you can put it down to the Mings situation but nonetheless if you've got what high line against Newcastle feels awfully rash yeah and they were just so open weren't they so all right, if you can put that down to a one-off. But then I I would read similarly little into smashing Everton currently as well. So it's, <laughs> yeah. it's hard to get a gauge on it. Diaby looks sharp. So yeah. that's that's a positive sign for them. But other than that, you're really going to have to have a little bit more time. Oli Watkins seems to have regressed to the mean already. <laughs> that's good of him. Um, Palace Arsenal, Monday Night Football. Arteta's first win in the Premier League on a Monday night. Had to do it at some point. 0-4 up to that stage. Only change from the side that beat Forrest was Tommy Asu coming in to replace Timber. Party starting a right back, Gabriel staying on the bench. Something sum up with this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 73 successive Premier League games he'd started before the, the Forrest game and Got to be honest, very grating at this stage. The amount of people that hold me accountable for Gabriel being benched in their FPL team. <laughs> yeah. People asking me, is Gabriel going to start? It felt a fairly easy shout to say yes. Is he in your team? He is, yeah. Oh, and I kept okay. him. I there thought, you go. You've backed it. Fair enough. I thought, I thought you were going to not have him in yours. No, I thought he probably. was even more of a certainty to be in particularly after Timber's injury. Yeah. I also thought Zinchenko would start, to be fair. But I, I, I don't know. Arteta, again, said it was purely tactical. 
Does that it. sound like more odd to you than anything? For tactical reason for him to be dropped. Like in a, you won't want it to be the case. I would I could explain it to myself more if there was Saudi interest and you were considering it than a tactical reason. So there, there, can't get there is definitely on. Saudi interest. Is I think that maybe. But I guess he was suggesting it. you're not entertaining it. Or yeah, if the player is interested or whatever. That would make more sense to me, though, because I just don't see how you're going to hook him for tactical reasons. Like is, you said, you've played this him This is a guy who pub- present. publicly was asked about joining Madrid or Juventus, and he said, I'm, I'm happy at Arsenal. I, I, I don't get it. There, there's obviously something more to it. Yeah. There, is, there has to be something more to it. I think... This system doesn't work. For one, I don't think you can play... The way Fulham are playing at the moment, maybe you can, but I have no doubt they're going to be better on Saturday. I don't think you can play 18 teams in the Premier League with Party and Zinchenko as your fullbacks. No. Inverting no. on either side. I also don't think you can play Zinchenko and ask him to do what he does without Gabriel alongside him. Good point. So... It may be as simple as Zinchenko comes back in on Saturday, Gabriel comes in, and then we're we're all good. Because Arteta said, look, he came on in both games. He helps us win the tie in both games. He's going to play a lot of games this season. Maybe, Maybe starting Mikel. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Because away at Selhurst Park, for me, doesn't look like a game where you say, we're still kind of working out our rotations. No. Forrest at home... I understood it. It doesn't have to be the most glamorous performance at this stage. If you get three points, cool. Fulham, I think he'll do some tweaks again. I wouldn't be surprised if Trossard comes in up top because he hasn't, he hasn't, didn't even come on yesterday. So there's only so long you can keep him happy with 10 minutes off the bench. So I think there'll be some tweaks there. This away at Sellers feels like I get Gabriel and Saliba there. If it has to be Tommy Asu at left back because Inchenko you don't think's fit yet, sound and give me Ben White at right back. It That's- feels it feels too easy. We it, maybe it's going to be a, a quick change and we go back to it. We came so close last season with a particular way of playing. It was consistency and structure. Yeah, and then it looked like we didn't quite make it over the finish line. And he said, "Well, that obviously didn't work then." And I. I told I can I didn't complain, but I called out Spurs for doing this with uh, managers. They got very close to the finish line with Poch, didn't work, and they said, "Well, that didn't work," and they blew the whole thing up. Yeah, I don't think we're doing that, but it feels like you could just get points on the board here by doing something that we know works. There's a fine line, isn't there, between having more depth and then suddenly you're tinkering for the yeah. sake of it, and it feels like Arteta might be doing that. Similar with buying players, you can play in multiple positions. Seems like it goes towards that some timber, Havertz, etc. The fact that he can move those around. Because even one of the things that even more odd I thought about the Gabriel thing was the Ben White situation. You said about us that okay, so now this guy who had a stormer of a year at right back, I know he's fine at centre half, so it's not a problem. But now you're also taking party out of his possession, best position, and putting him into a different position, and again can do the job. But you're basically you've got two players there who are being feels like weakened by moving Gabriel out, who's been pretty sound the whole time. It, 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 there must be something else going on. Yeah, so it, it could boil it down to being Zinchenko's out. We still want to play the same system. There's no one else that can do it on the left. On the right-hand side, now Party did play right back at Atletico in a different way. It might be as simple as 
who can do the same from right back? Party, we tried this last season, didn't work then. We're going to use try it all summer. And this is an option we can do because Zinchenko's fitness is up, off. So if we want to play the same way, this gives us the opportunity to do it. We do him there. Now, who is the best suited player to be Ben White at left back? Timber, okay, that works. And he can also do the Zinchenko thing. And then after that, Tomiyasu, Tierney, Kivior. Tomiyasu is obviously who he thinks that is. Then because of that, I would say the centre-back partnership can still stay the same. Ben White is... Ben White is, is his guy. I think if you asked him, he's got to stay on the ship and he can keep three people there and we're chucking everyone else off overboard. I think he saves Ben White before a lot of players that you wouldn't like to know that he's dumping first. Okay. And so that may be something I have to keep Ben White in the team. Then I have a choice between Saliba and Gabriel. Personally, at this, I still think Gabriel is the better player. If Saudi put 100 million on the table for Gabriel, I would not accept it. I don't know who you can get better for 100 million right now no. than Gabriel. And Vardyol would have been the only option. Yeah, and he, even then, I think. You don't you, you don't know that he can do what Gabriel no. can do. You would, I've seen you know, Ga- you surmise. Gabriel, you I, I said last season, and it went downhill shortly after. I said he was the perfect away day defender. There's no frills. Either good away at Southhurst, I would have thought that was his game. Yeah, and when he came on, he it was like the the big dogs are here to to save the day. He came mm. on, he won everything. The the celebration he had right at the end of the game, where he shields one out of play, he gets bashed into the the sponsorship, and he gets up like he's just knocked someone out, <laughs> and everyone's celebrating with him. He doesn't look unhappy. He didn't even look like he's coming on. I've got to prove you wrong now. He's like he's slapping Arteta's hand at the end of the game. I don't know what he tells these players. Maybe he's just telling them, look, you're going to get your chance. This isn't, I'm bombing you out. Because we've seen he's had a failure to keep people happy in the squad before. It's another two games in the season now. Smith Rowe's not played a minute. That is telling, isn't it? So there's, and I think the game yesterday didn't go how he was intending it to go. That's maybe the other thing. I just think the system itself is, as we spoke, opened the pod with, is a Zinchenko system. I'm not sure after that. The patterns of play that Ben White has with Erdegaard as well as Saka. So Saka's form has diminished when Party's behind him because he does he can't do the overlap. No. With Party, the best thing to do is knock it around him and get on the other side. People strength Party doesn't get criticised online where he has a good performance or a bad performance and there were areas of the game against Forest where we said it's very easy to get by. When he stepped into midfield, Zinchenko's recovery pace is good enough that he can get back in. And he's aware enough that he may overstep the mark sometimes, but he's telling someone, cover in that space, do this. When someone's stepping in, Ben White isn't used to doing that to cover the space because that's not what he's having to do. Gabriel is used to doing it. Mm. It's just very, very, very strange, but Maybe Saturday happens and everything comes back in. Maybe he's just saying, yeah, it was turned. Don't even think about it because if Feels I want like to replace something you, he I would can. do. He would do that to send out a message. So. Yeah. Or whatever he just... Another thing it feels like he might try and do is to say, look, no one's undroppable. I'm making it and I'm picking on this kid in the class. Yeah. I think it, it all starts with um, Havertz is going to play. People are going to have to get 
on board with this. It does seem that he's playing no matter what, doesn't it? Havertz yeah, is right. going to play. And so I think maybe you work backwards from there. If if you want Havertz to play and you think, okay, Party was my, my best player last week. I have to fit him in somewhere. I'm not dropping my 105 million man. I'm not dropping my captain. Yeah. Party, where are you going to play? Okay, so as a symptom of Party being there, where's Ben White going to play? He's got the, yeah. And then it, it's, yeah. it's kind of a cycle from there. You could be right, yeah. But, I mean... I don't know about you. I don't look at your season last year, look at Kai Havertz's career and go, I'm torpedoing this for him. No. And, and look, uh, you know, I'll freely say that Arteta knows better than me, but it seems an odd move if that is at the I'm, heart of the issue. I'm, try- I'm trying to watch the games with as much objectivity as possible because I, I've noticed in myself and it's because of what we've seen of him previously. Yesterday when the game was... Uh, getting out of hand and Martinelli got subbed. Why is it not Havertz going off? (laughs) And the game, the game at Forest, we watched it together. Calm, chill, relaxed. They get the goal and it's, he needs to be doing that better in there. And then, I don't watch the compilations after in a way of, okay, he had a fantastic game. Let me watch this with rose tinsy glasses. But I watch it after and I think, okay, I didn't pay as much attention to you pressuring in that area of the pitch which seems ridiculous but all of these little things that I can see why Arteta wants you in there he he isn't dangling a toe in he's getting stuck in he's pressing in areas of the pitch better than Martinelli was doing the energy him and Eddie up top pressing was was uh, causing mistakes he should have had two assists yesterday if Eddie and Martinelli finished better he, he plays a really nice pass into Martinelli in the first five minutes of the game that Martinelli just takes too long with trying to get it on his right foot. I think it's going to take some time. I don't know how much patience we're going to be able to have in certain games. In the next month, we've got United, Spurs, and then City not too long after. The issue you've got is if if results do fall away a bit, you're going to look at the start of the season last year, you're going to look at this year and go, well, what's the change? And Kai Havertz is going to be the change. And, it may not even necessarily be his fault. Now, I would suggest if you're having to accommodate him, it is his fault. But it may not be. He individually may be performing okay. But you, and I don't think that would be unfair. I think you'd look at it and go, and Arteta would probably deserve a fair bit of blame for this. You, well, why have we blown up what was nearly very successful for this guy who is still relatively unproven? Well, we've played well. We've played very well for 70 minutes against Forest. Yeah, he should have smashed them. And... We played well in parts yesterday. There are some Arsenal fans that are convinced this is all in, on purpose because we started so well last season and look what happened at the end of the season that people think this peaking thing just means play shit basically and then get to April and Take suddenly we're going to go, now let's play well. There's, there's moments at least that if you're going to try things out, we end the game yesterday with five defenders three defensive midfielders and Kai Havertz on the pitch. We have flat back five with Jorginho, Rice and Jorginho, uh, Rice someone else in uh, and in front of them. Did everyone still? No, he went off. He was one of the first to go off and then Havertz up top. <laughs> Blimey. So it was Kivior, Zinchenko, White, Saliba, Party at the back and then Jorginho, Ryson. I was back to the wall. Yeah. But it was one of them where immediately on reflection after the game, it was like, okay, they didn't actually have that good of a chance. There was one where 
Eze's dribbling through, as I've mentioned. Other than that, I did forget that it was Edward up top for a lot of the time when you're seeing the ball go in and around them. It was... Uh... You always worry, Palace, that it'll be the day that Edouard or Mateta well, or Ben Seke back in the day would just have their day. You can't let them get up ahead of steam. And I didn't like the way we managed the game in parts yesterday. For as much as they didn't create anything, I saw... Don't let that crowd get on top of you. No. <laughs> it gets and, nasty. And that, that is a thing because some teams get the benefit of playing Palace and we spoke about us playing Brentford last year we play Palace on a Monday night every single season and can they put United against them on a Monday night sometimes? can they put you on a Monday night against them sometime I think we've had enough trauma <laughs> there on a Monday night thank you I am um, the the day you lost out on Caicedo they played that whole game back on Sky because I had my day off I was with my James Pantry watching that game Jesus. back like hey Dwight Gale some boy <laughs> Just, just trying to get like I don't know suicide numbers up what the hell are they doing and yeah, so I thought when we go down to 10 you don't need to take 15 go 15 yards back and just say try and beat us then but we seem to just give up well, trying to, to connect oh, passes it worked and the way the team reacted after the game it probably will mean more in the long run in terms of like gelling the team together Yeah, I think something with Havertz when you see that guy running like a madman in the 90th minute when you've had your back to the wall the whole time. That's going to help endear your, the team. To, and they seem to have, he must be a wizard in training because the way even the other players speak about him is like, it's not the player that we frequently see on the pitch. The Tomiyasu red, it's just either there is the dirtiest agenda the PGMOL have against Arsenal or more likely, all of these guys are just horrific. Yeah. David Coote, unfortunate face anyway, because he looks like a deer in the headlights at all times. <laughs> I understand the process of, we aren't going to allow time wasting, so let's nip it in the bud early. I even kind of understand the you've got a team booking there for you in particular. Yeah. It was just an odd place to do it. Before and after that, Palace had taken 45 seconds to take a throw two minutes before when he's when he, when uh, Tomiyasu gets his first booking. But that Salahurst crowd got on top of David Coote, who's not a strong ref anyway. This is, the, this is the same ref who reported us to the FA last season for intimidating him in a game against Oxford, if you remember that. Oh, that was him, was it? Jesus. It's, it's just... Horrendous. And then in talking about being cynical, Ayu gets away with the most cynical challenge you'll see inside inside uh, his own half. Saka's breaking away from him. He grabs him, run the waist, pulls him back, goes yeah, down. Yeah, I did see that. Gets away with it. And Tomiyasu, there must be half a second of contact. And he goes down. And at first I was calling him an idiot. And it's still silly to do, but the ref is just, he's just lost it at that point. And you're not going to see that again all season. And I said it at the time of the Martinelli one with um, Michael Oliver. You're not going to see that again. No, you definitely won't see that. All of this stuff, it's just crazy that that could have cost us three points. Yeah, the it is incompetence. You're right there. We've seen it across the board with various decisions made already this year. 
Um, but the the situation with the Tommy Asu one, I felt he did the thing that I always advocate on it. It was like, do it, just do it quickly and don't make it obvious. He, I'd say he had on just quickly enough that you say, you've done your job as a defender, you've pulled him back a little bit, but you've not done enough for the ref to give you the card. So he's very unlucky to have ended up getting pulled on it. The interesting thing with the time-wasting one is, at some point, a ref is going to have to give a second yellow for time-wasting. If you're as serious about it as they say they are, someone's already going to be on a yellow card, and you're going to have to send them off for time-wasting. And then you'll see who, what ref has the stones to do that or not. Well, there was one There was one in the United Spurs game, and I'm going to say... It may have been Lissandra. There was a United player that technically kicked it away while on a booking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, go on then, ref, if this is what we're stamping down, and he didn't, because yeah. no one wants to send a player off for that. There shouldn't be five red cards in one weekend in the Premier League. That, If that's your directive, your directive's not working. If you're rooting against a team, you want to see that player sent off. In terms of the spectacle, in most times it ruins the game. Yeah, definitely. And this... It made it more exciting in a way, I guess, because it was Arsenal pending the whole time. But yeah. It's not always the way of that. It is just very, very poor in in the way that it was done. And then they go back to the studio, and I thought, okay, Carol we'll was all the for it. Carol wanted him off. It was they were they were both doing it like Tomiyasu was this, like it was obvious. It was obvious that he had to be booked on both occasions, particularly the second one, which was the stranger one for me, and. It was like PGMOL TV, like they were having to justify the directive that they're weird. doing. And they did it with the, the coverage that I saw of the Community Shield. They were like that on ITV as well afterwards with every decision they were justifying. I think they've it. probably had a directive that you've got to battle yeah, refs. It's Just because there's such a tone to it that I do think... Yes. Which, look, if you are going to do a Respect the Ref campaigns, I have said before like we have had literally entire broadcast about a referee's decision before with no analysis of the football, which I don't think helps. Uh, but it doesn't mean you have to agree with absolutely everything as well, which is... We, and the, the refs at the minute are like a supply teacher trying to make a stand and trying to like lay down the law, but not fully convincing. So they just end up somewhere in between. So they're sort of going, right, we're going to clamp down on time wasting. We're going to any back chat. We're going to yellow card you. But it's sort of like like Trent picked up a yellow the other day for like time wasting on a throw, but it wasn't time wasting. No one was getting in position. It was taking sometimes you like someone show yourself, you're not showing for the ball. He got the card, but they, you could have pointed to ten times more instances of actual time wasting in the game. And he got it, like I said, whether it's a team foul, whether it's just that the ref thought, I've got to lay down a marker on someone, why not him? The most annoying. But it, it just it looks in an attempt to look strong, I think it actually looks quite weak because you're in the meantime, there's other challenges that you won't clamp down on because you've had this directive that you've got to clamp down on things that are pretty inconsequential. Time wasting and calling a ref a prick. Tommy Asu is he's not even, great, I know, but he's even taken the throw. Break his arm's leg. Yeah, he's taken the throw by the time it then stops and we slow down again. Hmm. Someone who obviously has far more time than we do. Twenty-four was the number of seconds between the ball going out of play and Tommy Asu taking the throw in. The average time to take a throw-in in this match was 19 seconds. There were six incidents... <laughs> Those five seconds were too much. There were six incidents longer than Tommy Asu's yellow card. Before the 
Before the goal, Palace had throw-ins that took 27, 25, 22 <laughs> and 22 this, seconds. This man is Arsenal, Arsenal later had a throw-in that took 44 seconds that went unpunished. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they did, yeah. And that's, so that's it, makes, it makes no sense. It was only because the crowd had got on his back. Ramsdale took too long on a goal kick. He did the thing where he's he's trying to rile up the crowd and I don't know why. <laughs> not this crowd, not today. He puts it in one corner and then you do the run-up for the kick and you go, oh, down, and you move right it to the corner way, of the box. Yeah. And once they got on the bat, the, the ref was like, he just had to do something and I don't know. The thing with that, presumably, is well, I've given the yellow card for time wasting so this has laid down a marker. Well, it hasn't laid down a marker no. if you're taking longer later in the game. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it, it felt a bit relentless at times, but Arsenal, Saliba was everywhere. Have you seen his recovery challenge that he does? It was like the game was just too easy. He just gives it away to just nail someone in the box and just win it back. He's, he's scary good, to be fair. Ga- Gabriel, I think, had a better season than Saliba last season, but in terms of who's the better player, it's Saliba, I mean, has it all. May come back to bite me as things often do. No. I don't see that Ruben Diaz is a better centre-back than Saliba. And the easiest way that I would use to make my point, and there's more, there's more to it than this, I think if you put Saliba in City's team, then City get better. And I think if you put Ruben Diaz in Arsenal's team, then we get worse. Might not be an awful shout. Um, the sheer pace and power that Saliba has is... Yeah, it, it means even if you have a stinker of a game, you can get away with things, doesn't it? Um, yeah, it's not the worst shout. I'd say it's close, is the thing. Whereas I think most people would dismiss it and go... Well, because obviously they'll go... Look how much Ruben Diaz has won, which is obviously the sole measure on how we measure how good a player is. And we spoke about Arsenal's bench, the last thing on this game. When you can bring off the bench, and Roy Hodgson commented on this, Jorginho's coming off the bench, Kivior is coming off the bench, Zinchenko's coming off the bench. It's not bad. It's... uh, It's good options to have. Like you said, you haven't used Smith-Rowe, who a lot of clubs would love to have. Um, obviously Jesus is that injured so you've got I mean there's Premier League clubs good Premier League clubs obviously sniffing around Balogun and you're not in the slightest bit interested in him it appears so Chelsea and Spurs supposedly it's ironic that the depth is exactly what you need but I do worry that it could be also the thing that does Arteta just he he does look a little keen to use all of it at the minute we brought Gabriel Jorginho Kivior and Zinchenko off the bench yeah, it's not bad, is it? It's not bad at all. So there we go. And Declan Rice, man of the match. Yeah, Mr. Basmati, monster class. Did watch a six-minute compilation. Like people must make these comps in the middle of the game with the speed at which they're out. Because I was so able to did watch the end once. Like yeah, <laughs> immediately after, and still enjoyed it. Last couple of things for today. Theo Walcott retired. Want to make us all feel old. Last outfield player from Sven-Goran Eriksson's 2006 World Cup squad to hang up his boots. And his legacy is is still very much questioned by some people as, as to what it is. Going back to 2006, all of Europe's leading clubs wanted to make him the most expensive 16-year-old in football. He has a choice ultimately between Arsene Wenger's Arsenal and Abramovich's Chelsea. He chooses Arsenal, he quotes... Thierry Henry being his hero is one of the main reasons and that's really the stick that 
is used to beat him for the rest of his career that he isn't Thierry Henry. Yeah. He didn't help himself by picking the shirt number, wanting to play strength centre forward, but yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that and that World Cup selection, I think, is, is undoing. Because if you don't have the, if you take those two out of the, out the equation, I think you'll talk about a, just a very good career, but because of those. The most celebrity World Cup squad in history. Yeah, and let's say that the England team was thoroughly disliked by that yeah. point as well. Beckham, Rooney, Lampard, Gerrard. You had the WAG situation that tournament. Yeah. It was kind of, these guys are taking the piss almost. Well, about a year later, some normality does kind of kick in. I think he gets the goal in the League Cup final against Chelsea. Yep. We kind of, he starts to carve his own um, career out. And 564 senior games, 129 goals largely from the right wing, 47 times he played for England. England's youngest ever debutant, youngest scorer of an international hat-trick. Two FA Cup wins, scores the opener when we beat Palette, uh, Villa 4-0 in 2015. What is your ultimate Theo Walcott moment? Hmm. Probably the run against us. At least the other by all goal. Yeah, so just, I remember just watching that. Like, Jesus Christ, this guy's unstoppable. I mean, he wasn't unstoppable. Someone should have fouled him. But <laughs> someone tries. Um, yeah, someone tries Hupia, fails. It's a real shame we dropped out of that game about two minutes I mean, later. And look, that's probably you know, walk away in a nutshell. It's something that unbelievable like that, but ultimately you lost. Is the run? The run up to that game is. Uh, crazy in itself I think it's the same year he has the running against Milan where he runs from a similar area puts it on a plate for Adebayor again Adebayor not celebrating with him after that goal by the way is, is so bad and Theo ever the uh, sportsman that he is tells us to get back to the halfway line so we can get the game carrying on again after the Liverpool goal and maybe we should have ran the clock down a little, <laughs> a little bit more maybe <laughs> My favourite one of his goals is the one against Chelsea. We wanted to do it in the summer, or I wanted to do it in the summer, but couldn't find the the full game online where he does the like he falls over, does a flip flap between two players, and bangs it bottom corner. Very very underrated finisher. The way he's spoken about, it, I think he did have to be like a top three player in the world. That's the when people say he didn't live up to his potential. I don't know what he was. He supposed to be Gareth Bale, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, and. Of Rooney is is the other one, a guy basically a prodigy. Yeah. A bit. Some people think Rooney could have done more. You think that's yeah, a, yeah. just a ridiculous career that you know, couldn't really have asked for much more. The the iconic image of his career really is um, the team of booed off two 0 down against Spurs in the five two win. He comes out second half. He loved that little chipped finish that like Carlos Vela must have taught him or something. Carlos Vela loved that shift. He, he scores two in the second half like that and there's an image of him he kind of like stretches his arms out in the sun that's like beaming down on him the sun comes out for the second half and yeah just I, I don't know unless you're a Spurs fan how you could be a person that doesn't like Theo Walcott he seems just an entirely likeable bloke everything he says in interviews or whatever he's a great guy yeah 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 lovely guy like uh like him and Ox are going to do a podcast together where you're like, you guys are the opposite of Antonio and Wilson. I like you both so much. I'd like to see Theo do some punditry now. I know he, he wants to do some coaching work. Wilsh, uh, Wilsh has already tweeted at him, say, come and join us. I bet but, he doesn't give 
pre-match speeches like Welsh does. No, Those I'm, got me going. I'm, I was hyped. I'm partway through the second part of the documentary. I started the second part yesterday. Um, yeah. Walcott may not be nasty enough to be in. He'd probably be a very good coach. Consistent. Can, yeah. You know what? Chat. The manager's being a dick. He can have an arm around the shoulder. So he, he started a, a foundation and he started, maybe not a foundation, he started, um, I don't know what it's called, but he st- started something to help families as players progress into football to help them deal with the pressures that come with it how they deal with the fame and all of this and he goes out and speaks to people and does all of this because he says he's basically seen it all from when he came through that he'd now like to help others he said it's 10 times worse now he said he couldn't have done what he did now and come through in the same way with the the level of hype imagine if you had that Sven call up and Twitter was a thing Christ yeah it was was a circus as it was let alone how um the Women's World Cup final, it was not to be. That's an England team for you. Yeah, they succumbed to Spain 1-0. Spain dominating the ball, pressing England high in the first half. England having to go more direct. And I guess the, the, the better players didn't show up in the same way that the Spanish players did. They had the decision with Lauren James beforehand, started Ella Toon instead who got the goal in the semi-final, to be fair. So it's not like she was in a bad run of form and then they had the decision to make. No, no, I, I didn't think that was necessarily the mistake. And then if it's a close game and you've got Lauren James coming on, I think that's probably a good position to be in. And then they stuck with Lauren, uh, stuck with Toon and took off Russo for the second I, half. I thought taking off Russo and Daly was a mistake. I thought taking both of them off, I thought they kind of lost a focal point. And yeah, I... You had to know Spain, you could see were technically were a better team. They were looking after the ball better. And the finish is great for their goals. It's genuinely a good finish. And so when you're chasing a game, I don't see that you can take both Daly and Russo off. I thought that was either the manager either got too clever or she panicked. Well, a lot was said about... Actually, she's got pretty much everything right so far. So. The, the players England were missing, but Spain were missing a lot of players as well. Or was it like 15 players last year refused to play for the Federation in its current form? as we can kind of see more, more and more as to why. And the, Only three of them came back in. Like, half of them still don't like the manager. <laughs> and it's such a weird thing. Like, you can translate that with England where you go, that is one of the best, like, tight-knit groups I've seen in that they've been able to lose players but still keep that tight-knit feel. Very weird and, guy. I mean, the whole set with Spain is, is odd. You look at some of the stories that kind of around it, and you're like, it doesn't really make sense that they've been able to win a World a Cup. A lot of it's on it, camera. It's like, when that's on camera... I mean, that, I mean, that is just... But to see him, like, groping his assistant um, during a goal celebration... Yes, it's... The fact that those guys don't see anything wrong with it is... is well, when the player concerned. comes out and says, I didn't like that, I didn't like that, and then a couple of hours later, he's going, no, no, there was no problem. Usually means in the... In that in between, she someone's had a word. Also, put the thing out saying she didn't say the statement saying it's okay. They fabricated a statement on her Jesus. saying, uh, like a you yeah. know, covering up for them. She she said, I didn't say that. I've got nothing else to say at this time, but oh. I just so you know, I didn't say that. So That's crazy, yeah. And in fairness, there's a lot of issues with Spain, but supposedly I saw a thing from actually the government basically called out the guy on it. So there's looks like there's some at least people higher up looking at it because certain things especially like the Vinnie Junior thing look at listen you can yeah. uh, watch a lot of stuff from journalists in Spain where they say well the issue here is 
a lot of people don't feel there is anything wrong with what's going on with Vinny. Whereas at least there is some acknowledgement that this is pretty horrible. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's I mean, not- you, you just couldn't imagine the English equivalent of that. Like, you, you know, you could... Imagine someone from the essay kissing one of the players on the lips. What's You'd his- be like... I mean, mortified, obviously, but I just couldn't imagine it. Well, no, what's his what's his name? The the president of FIFA, his name uh, Infantino. Yeah, him saying in the, before the final, prove to us why, prove to us men why you deserve these things. Have some like it's a it's a can anyone be as, PR for everyone? Can anyone be as tone deaf as that? And then yeah, and then obviously Sunak made a mug of himself with his congratulation message. Prince William with his pre-recorded thing where he didn't yeah. go to the game. It's, Help yourselves out here. Horrible. Um, Because I I don't... I saw Leah Williamson has said this previously where she said basically there's a lot of things I don't like. I don't repeatedly tell everyone how much I don't like them. And I think if you sit down and watch, you'd be thoroughly entertained. And no one's saying you have to watch that over your Premier League team. No No. one is, is saying... I quite like on a Sunday... They'll have a WSL game on after the four thirty kickoff, and it yeah. Arsenal playing that slot a lot. To be fair, that's probably the way to do it for them to grow it. Maybe occasional Friday night one. Just that's probably the way to grow your audience. The thing about this, certainly this England team, the last two tournaments, generally watching the games, the standard has improved significantly. Where you go, I can enjoy a game of this now. You're not watching, like you said, out of any feeling of obligation or whatever. You can genuinely go, I want to watch this. Now it's. It's never going to be as good as the men's game. Like it's just just isn't going to happen. We've got too much of a head start. That's never going to happen. You're never going to have the funding. You're never going to have the investment. So just treat it as a separate thing. The and that's fine. The, the it will never part of the other reason they won't grow is because it's a saturated market. The amount of men's football we've got yeah. and we've got access to. You're never going to compete with that. But that's fine. And it does help that this group is a likable group. You can kind of see them. They've got some good characters in there. Even like in an interview and stuff, you feel like okay you show a good sense of humour, you're someone who's genuinely likeable, which, let's face it, hasn't always been the case for our men's teams. No, what's... And that lack of money and stuff in the game probably... Almost like if you go and watch a lower league game where you feel there is something feels a little bit more organic about this than going to watch a Premier League game, which is much better standard, but you feel a lot more removed from. Well, I guess the closest proper feels harsh, but... I, I would feel mo- more emotional investment watching an Arsenal women's game than I would go and see Chatham Town, which I know wouldn't be the same for you with um, Liverpool's women's side. But Arsenal do a really good job but with the integration they have. Yeah, I know almost them. all of the Arsenal women's players yeah. because of the amount of cross-content. The, the documentary that they've done for the youth team, they've just dropped one with the Arsenal women's team and they do a lot of content like that. So you see the team talks and you see all of it. Leah, Leah Williams said you can't move around yeah. Arsenal without yeah, yeah. seeing her. Russo's just come in, so that's going to be an even bigger thing there. She's been um, doing the kit in the same way. Um, very big. Did you think it was a penalty for the Walsh handball? I mean, I was pretty certain it was going to be given. Uh, it feels very harsh. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I was, I was, it's a good sign for, for them is that I was genuinely like emotionally invested in it. You know, I was pumped for the game and then pretty fuming we lost maybe that's just anything involved in England maybe we'll just lose our minds but uh, yeah the better team won didn't they the thing you you would say that England shit the bed in the final but if you watch most of our games they weren't at their best throughout the tournament they just did that football cliches too many players missing yeah exactly if the men's team was missing the equivalent I guess we would 
probably say, you know, if we didn't have Kane, if we didn't have etc. Well, Beth we Mead came second in the Ballon d'Or. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. She's she's at there. There's been a just the amount of ACL injuries that have been going yeah. through the women's game. There's a player in the Arsenal women's team that did her left knee has come back and just done her right oh, almost immediately. Yeah. Let's end today just a last word because we said we would at the start on uh, UFC. Sugar Sean O'Malley. Uh, O'Malley. Wins, wins, wins the belt and ticks all the boxes. He's really technically good. He makes you interested in seeing him and yeah, gets the job done. And yeah, and now he's... The, the interesting thing about O'Malley compared to most people in the UFC, and let's face it, he's largely done it himself, which is to his credit, because we've said before, the UFC doesn't always build stars that well, is that he was a star before he was doing anything, before he was even ranked. People yeah. knew about him. He was one of the bigger names in the UFC. That Snoop clip just... That helps hugely, but, you know, even sort of the stoner thing going on, he's got his own merch and stuff like that. People were bought into him in a way that, outside of the main guys, nobody has that level of star power. The fact that kind of his skills in the cage sort of caught up with that is uh, is the stars aligned. You know, well, you can see how excited Dana was about him, and you can see rightly so because Reebok made him uh, personalized merch, which very very few fighters get. No. They've done more. They they started selling Zuckerberg and Musk t-shirts on the UFC before they do anything outside of like a Conor McGregor shirt I think I had a Nate Diaz one a couple of years back the O'Malley shirt sold out on UFC Europe the website and it was a tie it was a rainbow tie-dye shirt that just had a little afro on the front that said O'Malley and this was after maybe like this was maybe after the Sukumtar fight maybe before that yeah 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 he he's done a great job of just making you interested in him mm. he knows everything the the celebrations afterwards he in this press conference he was singing the sports center theme tune and saying he's going to be the top moment and the knockouts he was doing and the celebrations afterwards getting him on sports center he was very open and said i don't have no interest in rising up the ladder on the contract i'm on keep giving me the easiest fight so i can get these big highlight reels and get people keep knowing my name and the best the, the way the UFC were padding out their shit pay-per-views was third fight on the main card was putting O'Malley in there with I forget the, 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 he fought that was it Moutinho that got a green hair which came, came out like to his zombie yeah. and he just battered him for 15 minutes finished yeah. him in the last seconds a couple of guys that yeah the it it did nothing when he lost to Cheeto Blamed on a bad leg, said it was a win, took the Chael way of thinking. and Yeah. Yeah, played that to perfection. Had that bit of luck with the decision against Jan last time. I think you go, I think Even most then, people... we didn't think he was going to be competitive in that. No, he'd already surpassed expectations of how he did. And even the fact that his body holds up to the sort of punishment now, I think there was a question that, you know, once you have a couple of injuries with the legs, you go, is this just going to be him? And uh, yeah, he's gone from strength to strength even you knew how good and crisp a striker was but his power seems to have got better yeah. Roy Jones Jr according to Teddy Atlas yeah that's incredible and so now you've got wins over Jan Sterling on you know, the best bantamweights around right now to the best you know probably will go down to the best certainly Aljo will give one of the best ever so and well it's an exciting division as well it's 
probably more exciting than lightweight is at this moment. When one yeah. is say after, P, uh, you can appreciate the style. I have no interest in Morab being the champion of that division. There's too many fun the strikers. To see, yeah. So him and Vera running it back. Chio looked great in in the end. The card fight. Yes, Pedro, friend of the pod. He yeah, got, you. you Umar they, and they have a lot of beef going back and forth, obviously, and sub decent amount of pay per views. And yeah, you could, can make a case for either of them in there. I think you'd pick well, her. If I could make, make if I could pick myself, I would see Sandhagen against uh, Sugar. But he's do it, he, well, he's just had surgery. Never Marab, I think, has just had surgery. Um, Umar Namagomedov has pulled out of one too many fights so yeah you can get back down in the queue yeah it's an easy fight to make anyway because may, of the story it may not be a pay-per-view topper maybe it's actually a chief support that's a great if you card, can tag him up with like a Gaethje but then Gaethje against uh, Charles or um, Makachev is O'Malley against Cheeto a bigger fight than that in terms of selling pay-per-views? <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, O'Malley is the biggest, biggest name. Ever gate He's the, the biggest single name. Biggest ever gate at the TD Garden. You had DC and Mircic fighting there. Not involving the Celtics, I should say. Just so uh, we're nice and clear. Is it not? I don't know how it works with the gates. So I assume you, I get, think- you get more in there because you... Fill out the floor as well. I'm only getting enough uh, what Dana said, oh. but uh, he could be just yeah, he could be being a homer there. And then just a couple other bits on the card. You mentioned uh, Cheeto, Ian Gary did ninety percent of things right. I, I don't know. People aren't offended at you kicking someone's leg in for fifteen minutes, but if you flip them up after the fight, then that's a step <laughs> too far. He's in a weird spot though where it's sort of <clears throat> I think he wants to be the good guy but also the bad guy and at some point he's going to have to choose because you kind of want to be the guy who's flipping someone off or whatever but also going pretending that him saying something about his kid and I, I'll basically I'm stopping this child abuse it's like, well we know that's not really what he meant and so you're not really this sort of white knight that you're kind no. of claiming to be it's, it's an odd one and if he fights Wonderboy they guy. say Wonderboy's already turned it down. Really? That's what they, Dana said immediately after the fight. They'd already approached him, which I think he might... He's dogging Wonderboy now, well, well, Yeah, Wonderboy <clears throat> spoke out publicly about the UFC. You don't which do is, that. You don't do it. And then just lastly... Which I thought was where they probably would feed him to Gary. And they go, yeah, get you out of here. Lastly, um, Wei Li has had fight of the year with Joanna Janjacek. She's finished her with a spinning uh, back fist. She's... One, she's a two-time champ, and this weirdly felt like it was a breakout performance. That people were paying more attention to this than ever before. The first round, in particular, where she's just putting a hurt in on Lemos, and then it's it's a domination outside of, um, I think it was a Darth choke. Anyway, I guess the sheer domination of it, wasn't it? I guess because someone who had legitimate power, who you thought maybe could trouble her, I certainly uh, had a little punt on the off chance. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you'd expected, I think, on her prior performances, a war with Joanna, obviously getting stopped by Rose previously. You maybe thought Lemos would probably at least carry more power than her, uh, was a threat, but she just 
the level of dominance was yeah. scary. It's, when someone does that, it's like when Volk has been doing it, like when Khabib used to do it, Jones, it's sort of like, oh, yeah. they can do whatever they want to yeah. this person. It's scary. Well, on that note, I think we'll call that a day. Thank you for tuning in. Movie Madness this week, TK back again. We're doing Air. Sean should be there as well. I think it's the closest film to a release that we've ever covered on the pod. So we'll get into that. See you there. Adios.